Chani. I'm at Lottie's. And you're listening to Meet Us at Molly's. And I'm excited about today's show because it's going to rock. going to be all sunshine and roses, but I can promise it's going to be a hell of a ride. Hey, Shyhards, Welcome to episode 203 of Meet Us at Molly's. Today we are covering last week's episode, so 708, 1008, and 908. Um, you guys, thank you so much for your patience and understanding with last week. As you know, you know, it's just the two of us and we work really hard and, and sometimes, sometimes our bodies rebel and uh, we got to take care of business. So thank you guys so much for your patience and understanding. We are back. We're ready to go. Brian, you feel better? Uh, yes. Uh, the booster shot for me, at least I know it's different for everyone was no joke. Um, but I'm rather be boosted than not boosted at all. So Mm -hmm. worth it. Yeah. Yeah. So glad we're back to full strength. Um, yeah. So we've got a little bit of news before we start, not a ton because we're in like a mini hiatus right now, but just a little bit of news. And it's actually, this is good news. I like this news. Okay. So deadline right from deadline. This is like the only time they've ever given us like good news in their history. Right. Okay, so over on Chicago Fire, executive producer Andrea Newman has been upped to co-showrunner. Yay! Yes. yes! So you know what this means, guys? This means that every show has at least one female showrunner. I love that. You run the world, girls. Yeah. I, I love, love it. that so much. Love it. And Andrea's yeah. written some really good stuff too. If I remember correctly, I want to say Andrea wrote the super iconic like Dossie makeout back in season two. She might have. I mean, she and Michael have been, you know, kind of Derek's head writers for pretty much the whole time. So she probably has. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it's just the blurb. It just says, you know, Newman who joined Chicago Fire after the pilot as co-executive producer has been on the show for its entire 10 season run. She was promoted to ex- executive producer in season six and they got some quotes from Derek and he just says, Andrea's voice is embedded in the soul of Chicago Fire and she will serve as co-showrunner alongside Newman. Um, Derek, well, she's an immensely gifted storyteller, manager, colleague, and friend. No one in Hollywood works harder or cares more about making great television than she just, I mean, I'm just, I'm so happy for the girl power on all three shows now. Like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. This is, this was unexpected news, but really exciting news regardless. So. Yeah. So um, Derek obviously is splitting duties right now between FBI International and Chicago Fire. FBI International, by the way, which I really need Brenda to watch. I really <laughs> need Brenda. And maybe I'll watch, watch it. it this afternoon. I know. No, I know. you won't. No, you won't. I know you. It's so good. No, though. maybe I, I, I watched one episode. I just got to go back. How many am I behind now? Like they, I, only six. It's They've aired six episodes. Okay, so I'm behind five. I can do that. I have tomorrow off too. I can do that. It is so good. So good. I'm trash already. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, but yes, Andrea, co-showrunner. I kind of want to make a shirt now that it's like a squad goal shirt, but instead of like, you know, cast, it just says like Andrea and Gwen and Diane for like yes! the girl power. Yes. I think I'm going to do I that. I love it so much. Yep. Yes. Yep. We stand. We stand. We stand. Yes. Um. And our new objective now is to get Derek to introduce us to Andrea so we can be her friend too. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Andrea yeah. has to come on the next time Derek comes on. Yes, absolutely. Andrea, we don't bite. I promise we don't bite. Like, promise. Yeah. 
Okay. Awesome news. Yes. So love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. The next bit of news we have is kind of, it's kind of niche but it was something that we like, we saw and we were like, question mark. So yeah, no, somebody sent it to us in our yeah. email, one of our listeners and I get, okay. So basically a local it's Lubbock, right? That's how you say it. It is Lubbock. Yes. Correct. Okay, so Lubbock, which is in Texas, um, like a local Lubbock news station did this story about how I guess one of their local fire stations is giving this actor, yeah, I'm like butcher this, Yanez. Is that how we it, think we say it? It's this? that, or I think it's Inez, one of the, yeah. Yanez mm-hmm. Spencer. Um, basically, how they're giving him, he's going to be on the, joining the cast of fire in december portraying a rookie on the show and like how the whole story was basically about him getting the chance you know to shadow the fire department and yada 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 Mm -hmm. but i've noticed so of course i was like when i got sent i was like oh okay whatever i figured it was like a guest spot like no big deal but i like was like i'm gonna go look at his instagram you know what else are we gonna do and the day i went and looked at it because we got sent this either on wednesday or thursday he was doing yet another ride along in the back of an ambo so clearly he's done at least a couple of different ride alongs you know Mm -hmm. fire whatever i feel like would he be training this much if it was just a guest spot possibly training at all i feel like guest actors typically don't train like if you're just on for the one episode. Yeah, I, I I could see this going either way. I mean, either he's coming in for a stretch or he's just showing up like maybe even in the background for an episode. Uh, I just don't feel like you do that much prep mm-hmm. if you're not. But I mean, it doesn't say, you know, that he's like going to be recurring or anything. And again, this was literally just from a local news station. Yeah. Know, not even deadline or TV line. So who knows? But it was just once I went on his Instagram and saw that that day he was also doing yet another ride along. I was like, hmm. <laughs> Interesting. So, yeah, just kind of question mark question mark yeah uh, yeah something nothing what are we doing here so yeah, yeah interesting so yeah um, that's all the news we've got for today again it, you know when the show goes on break there is not a ton happening so no descriptions no promo images just kind of unfortunately we don't even have promos to discuss Ugh, i know it kills me kills yeah. me so before we move into the episodes, you, you know, we love Marvel. We love it. So we want to take a moment and just kind of talk about Eternals because now we've both seen it. It's out. Um, if you don't like it when we talk Marvel, I, I maybe we'll put it forward in the timestamps. Yeah. Fast yeah. forward a little bit. Just we'll skip put, forward a little bit. We'll put the timestamps in of like when we start talking and then when we stop. So you can just fast forward. But um, we're a little split on the Eternals, which is I just. Yeah, it's always interesting to me when we disagree because we don't usually. <laughs> like we're Siamese twins or something. We never disagree. So it's like so rare that like, I know. We really don't though. I know. Yeah. So, wild. so okay, you, you start because you saw it first. Yeah, I mean, I guess I didn't really know. I mean, you didn't either. Like I didn't really know beyond the trailer. I didn't know what to expect, right? Mm-hmm. Like I don't know anything about the Eternals. You know, I don't know. I don't know much comic book lore. So like, I don't know. The Eternals are superheroes. Okay, cool. Like that's all I know. Mm-hmm. Um, and the trailer looked really good. And I guess I had an idea of what that my movie might be going into it based on that. But that was it. I don't know. It was definitely different. Like it was definitely not the same 
tone or anything like Captain America. Mm-hmm. And it definitely had its weak spots. I won't say it was a perfect Marvel movie because it wasn't. But I think I liked it more than other people. And I know I clearly liked it more than you did. So I didn't like it. Mm-mm. No, I feel like se- like maybe 60 to 65 percent of that movie was Selma Hayek staring and then the other like 25% whatever adds to 100 is pretty much just Cersei crying. Like I don't like it. Oh, it. oh, see I love Cersei. I thought Cersei was like my favorite part of the whole movie. No, I love her too. I think she was great, but I, it's just uh, I did not like it. I did not like it. And then you know what I really didn't like is when Icarus does what he does and I was like, "Oh, man, like man, Damn it. Yeah, I, w- I wasn't expecting that. I don't want to give like too, too much away, but yeah. like I wasn't expecting that. Um, I don't know. Like I, it's, I mean, I don't know. Without like giving too much away, it's hard to kind of talk about it. I don't want to give the whole plot away because it's still relatively new. So I don't want to go like full crazy into it, but I don't know. Like I kind of liked the character stuff. The thing for me that I think I could have done without, I didn't need like all the setup. I could have done with like half the setup. Yeah. I didn't need all of the, you know, them coming to, you know, our world and, you know, Mm -hmm. all the backstory. Like I could have done with maybe like a quarter or half of that at least. Like I didn't need all of that. Yeah, I I did appreciate the just the 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 time they took to set it up and just say, listen, like they came to Earth, they kind of helped mankind evolve. Like I appreciate that, but I yeah, feel like I sure. feel like so much of that movie was devoted to getting the ten of them back together. I was like, whoa, like this is a lot. This is a well, lot. yeah. I just feel like there was so much happening that like that was a part where if you said, hey, what do we need to cut? Like that, like the world establishing could have been a little like cut in half. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But. Now the credit scene didn't get spoiled for you, right? No, I purposely avoided it. That's good. I mean, I wasn't seeking it, but you know, the so if you guys don't know, um, variety, yeah, I'm calling you out. They spoiled the credit scene like immediately after the the, the premiere. Like, who does that? Yeah, and there was one other outlet too. I don't remember which one, but um, yeah, I had no idea about either one but especially that first one I had no idea yeah yeah um that was some wild shit (laughs) yeah I mean okay so I saw the the day that it got spoiled I saw tweets about it and honestly I figured it was a joke I was just like that's okay I don't know what the Marvel fans are bored about today Still, kind of I don't understand how that's real yeah I, I don't like it still seems so silly and like so much but I think they're serious and I think they're gonna bring him into the fold you know for like future things which is kind of crazy yeah it is which I mean I I I hear he can act okay like he he I mean okay if we're if you're in it you're in it you know what we're talking about Harry Styles was in the first credit scene we know it if uh I I he wasn't I think he was in a war movie called Dunkirk and a lot of people say that he was fantastic so yeah that's great I guess I just don't picture him as an actor and to me It'd be, I think it'd also be a little bit different if he was in a movie, like, if it had happened in, like, The Avengers or Captain America, where there's so many more household names, but especially with the Eternals trying to, like, set them up and, like, Mm -hmm. have them be, you know, I guess now a main part of the new um, wave of superheroes. 
it just felt like he that kind of then overshadowed it's like oh this is harry styles and it just felt so unrealistic i was looking at harry styles not arrows i think that's yeah how you say it. yeah no absolutely and i mean just that, well, let's be real i mean probably the the whole lore of a marvel movie yeah you're gonna see the movie and you're gonna like integrate them into the universe but the credit scene that's like the big draw who spoils the credit scene yeah that too bs now i am glad that nobody spoiled the second one because that was a little bit of a surprise i mean for me i think other people knew but that was a surprise for me that was a surprise being that you didn't know that that's who that was or that that character was joining the MCU or so what part was the surprise? I figured that Kit Harrington's character had to be some sort of superhero because he was way too yeah. chill when Cersei was like, well, and then yes. Like, well, yeah. And then he was like, I've got something to tell you. And I was like, oh shit, we're going to go. Like, he's going to, yeah, 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 yeah. It was uh, the, so when when you f- first hear the voice of like you don't want to do that i was like okay well now we don't know that's great but my friend looked it up after as did like the whole world and knowing that it was blade who said that i was like oh okay now i'm intrigued because i don't know anything about blade and now he's coming into the mcu okay cool like now i'm intrigued. yeah i don't know anything really about him just the like tiny bit i've read on wikipedia when they announced who was going to be playing blade and that blade mm-hmm. was going to be in the mcu like i guess this is almost like two years I don't know when they announced it. It's been a while. Mm-hmm. And I so I was like, oh, okay, this is cool. Mm-hmm. And but I'm really excited, even just the way the movie ended to see like when that whole gets brought up. Cause there's just so much Marvel content coming out in the next like little bit. And like, mm-hmm. okay, well, so now we're at this pat crossroads of like what happened at the end of the movie. Like, when does that get brought up? Do the Eternals get a second movie? Yada yada yada. Like, I'm mm-hmm. curious to see where it all goes. Cause obviously they're they're gonna make a second one or it's gonna come back at some point like it's left at a cliffhanger so right right um I also just want to talk about Makari and how amazing she is and like how on earth did it take so long to finally have a deaf superhero in canon of anything like she was amazing yeah that was that was really good I like I said I really liked some of the stuff they did I thought that you know I thought that was great (laughs) um yeah, I just, I, I really liked a lot of different parts. I, there were definitely some weak points and some stuff that I wasn't like totally thrilled about. But overall, I don't think it was like the worst movie. Like, I don't think it was worse. I know some people were saying that it was like worse than Thor, Thor 2. And like, I don't think it was that bad. But I I don't know. I really liked it. I liked it more than I think more pe- most people did. So yeah, yeah. Um, I, I was talking to a friend yesterday and he was saying, he's like, you know, I've heard that people think Angelina Jolie was kind of wasted as, as, as that character. What do you think of that? What, that she was too good for that character? Is that what they're trying to say? That like, kind she of was that, too like, much of a good act? Yeah. Like you took Angelina Jolie and casted her as Thena. Really? Like it was kind of a waste. I thought she was great in that. I mean, granted, I don't really watch a ton of Angelina Jolie. So like, you know, to say she was wasted it was hard and hard for me but I thought she was good as a as Thena I liked Thena I didn't you know yeah yeah I mean I think regardless of who played her I think Thena was gonna be like that loose cannon that everybody was just kind of like oh freaking Thena here we go again um, yeah what well, but I liked Thena's relationship you know connection with Gilgamesh mm-hmm. and I liked that part um I liked it obviously clearly she you know got caught in the 
without spoiling it too much, you know, like the resetting, you know, yeah. that was why she was having all of those issues. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I liked it. I like, I didn't think she was bad. I didn't, you know, I didn't think she was wasted or anything. You know, I thought she mm-hmm. was good in this role. Yeah. It's just, I mean, I don't think it's worse than Thor, the, the dark world. I mean, that's probably my least favorite Marvel movie simply because I can't even remember anything that happened. Cause I got so bored, but for me, Eternals kind of hovers around like that, the, that bottom part of like my, my least favorite Marvel movies. I have to like really think about where it falls. It's definitely, I'd say my least favorite of this year, right? If we're comparing, you know, Black Widow, Shang-Chi and Eternals, and then obviously we'll have Spider-Man at the end of the year. So like, it's definitely my least favorite out of the three, but I don't, it's, I don't think it's like the worst one out there. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. I know a lot of people were saying. Like, I don't think it's that bad. Which reminds me, with the new Spider-Man coming out, I've got to see the second Spider-Man. I still haven't done it yet. I know. Gina, what are you waiting for? I, I'm not ready for the Tony angst, okay? Like, Tony is a fictional death I will never get over. And I'm not ready yeah, for the Tony true. angst. Not ready for but it. But it's the perfect time. I mean, Jake Gyllenhaal is a very hot topic right now. So you <laughs> might as well do it right now. I oh, mean. my goodness. Oh my goodness. I guess we're just going to segue into a little bit of Taylor Swift red talk. Oh man. Okay. So um, if you know me, you know, I'm not a, like a huge Swifty, but like, I kind of like that either. I like like recent Taylor, like evermore folklore, like that kind of stuff. I like that, but I've been listening. Cause I mean, you know, we're going to do a thread. Of course we are like, it's so much fun to me. I'm just like, I really hope people like this. Cause like, it's a lot of fun for me, but I've been listening and literally like, this is kind of my first time through red and I'm like texting my friends and I'm like, dude, like did Jake Gyllenhaal really not go to her birthday party? Did he really not like when she wore high heels? Like what a dick. <laughs> so yeah, I yeah. think, so I haven't really gotten a chance to give like Taylor's version a real listen through and especially like the new stuff that's been added to stuff from the vault just because I've been sick and I've had like a headache and I just haven't had like I haven't been in the right mind space to really like sit and process like two hours of song like I just haven't <laughs> yet um that'll probably be like tomorrow um but Red like I've always like I've been I wouldn't say I'm a Swifty by any chance, right? Like I like Taylor Swift. I'm not like a hardcore fan. I'm mm-hmm. definitely a first three albums. Like I kind of prefer country Taylor a little bit. Like I'm mm-hmm. not, you know, I like, and I liked Evermore um, and Folklore too, but not necessarily some of her more poppy stuff. And so Red to me was always an album that I think I just kind of overlooked because I was like, oh, this is not the Taylor that I want. Like, <laughs> oh I don't like this whatever it's fine but it's not my favorite and now that like I've started to kind of listen to it slowly and slowly I'm like damn like this is it's still not I would say my favorite all-time favorite Taylor Swift album it just won't be it doesn't carry that nostalgia for me Mm -hmm. but it's like so good yeah yeah I uh I took a little peep over to Jake Gyllenhaal's Insta the other day just because I wanted (laughs) to see what was going on and like oh it sucks to be him right now um just comment after comment of like did you give her the scarf back like you better give taylor her scarf back just over and over and then i saw one that was like jake gyllenhaal welcome to your tape um i laughed yeah i can't wait when she does taylor's version of speak now for the john mayer stuff john mayer it's gonna be so good it's gonna be so good oh oh man yeah. yeah. And J- John Mayer actually like w- he got kind of burned by Jessica Simpson's like memoir too. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's not a good partner in a relationship yeah. from what I've gathered. At least not to the famous ones. Oh so, man. 
Oh, man. Yeah. But no, but it's been really fun to revisit. And, you know, there's some deep shit on Red that I think I kind of forgot about, clearly, because I don't really listen to that album as much. But there's some deep shit on there. And it's like, oh, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> like, this yeah. hurts. Um, I'm having a blast going through the lyrics and, and, and finding one Chicago stuff to like pair them with. I, I'm having a lot of fun doing it for sure. Yes, I can't wait for Tuesday Thread Day. Yeah, yeah, I hope y'all are liking Tuesday Thread Day. Literally, I'm just I'm solely doing it for fun. I just like get sick enjoyment out of it. I'm like, you're so good too. Like every time, like your um clueless one. Oh my god, I didn't know you were doing the clueless one, but it was so good. It was so good. Thank you. Yeah, half of these I'm just kind of like, let's just let's let's try it. This seems fun, but I don't know. Clueless just sounded fun. Um, I was thinking too. I didn't, I wouldn't have thought that worked, but it worked. Yeah. I was, I was thinking for the week of Thanksgiving, I would do like Charlie Brown Thanksgiving, but that's a lot, it's a lot harder than it seems. Cause like there's, it's Charlie Brown, you know? Uh, oh my God. I have one for, I'll, I'll tell you offline. I have an idea for the holidays. Oh, okay. Okay. Yes, please. Yes, please. So uh, I don't know if it'll work, but I have an idea. Okay. Okay. Uh, I look at a lot of these and I'm like challenge accepted. So <laughs> yeah, we'll see. So yeah, that's about all the news we've got. And that's the end of Marvel roundup. So like you can turn your streaming device back up now. I don't know. We're done talking Marvel and red. So, um, <laughs> and red and red without further ado, I think it is time to move into the episodes. Shall we? Let's do it. All right. This was a strong week for one Chicago. Yes, all strong episodes across the board, right which makes me board. almost kind of nervous. I'm like, okay, so what does that mean for the mid-season finales in a couple weeks? I, I don't really like that we've got like episode eight and then three weeks, then the mid-season, and then we're done. Because this this was almost like the, the pre-finale. It's like we've got two cliffhangers in a row. Right. Well, that's what I'm saying is like these were and these were also really strong episodes, too. So like we we go strong episodes three weeks off and then, you know, the eighth we get back them back and then they're off again for another couple of weeks. And I'm like, oh, fuck. Yeah, it just makes me nervous. I'm like, oh, crap. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're going to start with men just like we always do. And we are going to start with Dylan, 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 Dylan. Uh, last week, weren't we talking about how, like, when is Dylan going to go to Molly's? Like, when are we going to see the news yes. at Molly's? Yes, I said that. I was like, I just need to see them at Molly's. And this week, bless us with that. Hashtag wish granted. Oh, man. Yes. Not only is Dylan at Molly's, but he's at Molly's with his dad. And they're just- Who we chilling. love. Yes, we, we love it. We love it. Oh, my God. Yes. I, I love that. I love that they did not waste any time introducing us to Dylan's family. They're like, here's Dylan. Here's his sister. Here's his dad. There you go. Cool. Thank you. Well, and I love the whole thing about this too was like Dylan's dad wasn't even like super a part of this storyline. Right. But mm-hmm. like he was there and I'm like, yes, like, of course, Dylan would be having drinks with his dad to catch up. Like that makes sense. Like, yeah. of course. Like, I just, I love seeing it. Like he doesn't have to be like such a big part of the storyline for him to be like brought back in. Like, mm-hmm. I, I just, I love it. I love yeah. it. I love it. Love it. Love it. So they're just talking. It's like super chill and they're just chilling, whatever. And this old cop that they know walks in. And I love that just even the, even the little details here, like you can tell that Dylan grew up in the CPD because he's like, hey, that's Uncle Joe. Like he talks about these other cops and he was like aunt and uncle. I'm like, oh, I love this. I love the attention to detail right off the bat. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. 
but Dylan wants to go say hi. And Dylan's dad is like, no, no, like he's, he's going through some stuff. Like, don't, don't bother. So later on, and we'll, we'll get to, cause you know, Dylan's not the only med character at the bar at that time. We'll get there. But you know, minute or two later, a fight breaks out between the old cop and another guy. So we find out that, well, okay. So he gets a cut, he goes to med. Cool. And so Dylan's noticing like something kind of up with him. And we get like the whole story of, you know, what's going on in the CPD, why he's kind of been so like agitated. So old cop buddy, this uncle Joe guy, he punched a rookie and that's pretty much why he got suspended. I'm like, yeah, that'll do it. That'll do it. Punching a rookie. Mm-hmm. Yep. So Dylan's like, yeah, let's talk to Dr. Charles. Cause like, mm, probably shouldn't punch a rookie. And he talks to Dr. Charles and he's just kind of mentioning, he's like, my wife wants me to take meds to even me out. Uh, and, and then he's like kind of going on and on about how there's this sergeant on the, on the CPD that's out to get him. Um, and by this point, we're like maybe 10 or 20 minutes in. And, you know, since we're TV doctors, cause we watch a lot of medical shows, I was like, I'm going to go ahead and diagnose this. And I think it's schizophrenia. We're going to go right off the bat. Cause he thinks someone's out to get him. Um, but I was wrong. I was wrong. Yeah. Yeah. So they have this conversation and uncle Joe leaves. Like he's just like, peace. Bye. Gotta go. Mm. And Dr. Charles just talks it out with Sharon. And so after all the intel he got on the sergeant and the guy, Lee, like the, the guy he was like making threats against and everything, he was like, okay, I think I have to report this. Cause like he just up and left. And I think Sergeant guy is in some danger, but yeah, you know, he's like, okay, shit. Like I, he, he's really worried about, you know, the duty to the patient versus like, is Dylan ever going to send him a cop in trouble ever again? It's the duty to warn versus the, the stigma. It's still very prevalent. So yeah. Yeah. Were you going to say something? Yeah. Uh, no. I, yeah. I was going to say, I couldn't, I didn't know if you were done. Sorry. Uh, I was just going to say, I love, um, first of all, the fact that Dr. Charles went to share and to talk it out, like, mm-hmm. Uh, again just little bff moments love it i also love though Best that friends. like <laughs> <laughs> yeah um i also love the fact though that dr charles is worried too about like his relationship with dylan and like obviously that's been something we've seen really building in these first eight episodes and the fact that like he's worried about losing dylan's trust too because dylan is the one that sent him there in the first place because he has seen what dr charles has done you know over the last couple weeks and knows that dr charles is probably good for uncle joe but you know so he's worried about the fact that like dylan's gonna see it as him you know misusing his trust too yeah there's there's a big stigma still with mental health in certain professions and of course being a first responder would be one of those i didn't that never even crossed my mind but well yeah and the thing i love too was when dylan was trying to because uncle joe was hesitant at first he's like i don't need to talk to you know mental health he's like I don't need that or whatever and Dylan's like no 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 like I think it's really important you know I've seen what Dr. Charles he was like talking Dr. Charles up and all the good that he's done too and it was just like yes like I'm glad that Dylan's like no 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 like therapy or you know what you needing to talk about your feelings like that's okay like I love that he was like no 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 like it's fine like I understand if you're not ready yet but like it's okay to talk about your feelings and go to therapy I was like yes I'm glad they're like saying that yeah, big time, big time. And I, I think it's really big coming from Dylan talking about how it's like okay to do that. Cause I mean, Dylan's a former cop. I think that's really big if it's coming from him. Yeah. So yeah, for sure. Really, really good. So Dr. Charles does 
report this with with the sergeant and they end up stripping this guy uncle joe they strip him of like his badge his gun they basically like strip him of his job and dylan takes it about as well as we think why the hell did i just get a call from my father saying that you reported joe as a threat to sergeant Carey and his wife dylan i'm really sorry that i couldn't give you a heads up but you know hipaa do you know they called him in stripped him of his weapons and pending an investigation he could get kicked off the job and i would feel absolutely terrible if that were to happen what did he say huh what the hell did he say that was so bad that you had to go and blow up his life you know i can't tell you that look if he was using some sort of heightened language it was all bluster okay it's a part of cop culture macho talk you know joe Joe's rough around the edges, yes, but he's not a danger to anybody. But, you know, I, I gotta go with my instincts. You need to trust me, Joe's a powder keg, and I just couldn't risk something terrible happening. I told him you were gonna help him. But, but instead, you destroyed everything you ever worked for. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. So... Dylan and his dad actually end up going looking for Uncle Joe and they're like, okay, well, he's gone. We don't know where he is. We've got to go like searching, whatever. But in horror movie style, the call is coming from inside the house. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Because Dr. Charles goes in his office and shuts the door and who's there with the box cutter, but Uncle Joe. Yep. Dun, 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 dun. Okay, so we get some like kick-ass detective work out of Dylan here. Like this is pretty badass. Okay, so Dylan's like still at the hospital. He's kind of put, he puts two and two together very, very quickly. He's like, okay, well, where would Uncle Joe go? Okay, let me just like check out Dr. Charles's office. He like, based on the way he like deduces this and solves it in like 0.2 seconds, I think he could run circles around intelligence. This is pretty impressive. So, well, yeah, he like sees the car out there and he's like, oh yeah, duh, he's still here. And then he's like, I gotta go to Dr. Charles. Like, it's just like, duh, like, duh. of course, like it just, yeah, duh. But also who parks their car just like parallel parks up to the door of the hospital? Someone who clearly just wasn't thinking. That's fair. Oh yeah. Cause he probably left to get the box cutter and came back. Yeah. Okay. That makes more sense. That makes more sense. Yeah. Okay. So he sees the car, runs back inside, gets to Dr. Charles's door. Nobody's answering. And like Dylan just doesn't even bat an eye. He's like, well, the logical next step is going to be to call Dr. Charles. Cause that makes sense. And calls Dr. Charles. Here's the phone ringing on the other side of the door. Full on Atwater style kicks this door down. Okay. Like kicks the door down. Not only does he do that, but then he runs in and he like spears this guy. Okay. Like football tackle, like launches himself in the air so that he's like horizontal and spears this guy to the ground. Like this makes me a little sad that we (laughs) never met Dylan as a cop. I kind of wish we had met him on PD. I know. I love the little insights we're getting though, but it's still not enough. Like, I'm just like, give me more i want more of dylan as a cop or you know not necessarily still being a cop but like more of dylan's life as a cop i i really i wish and i realized this wasn't totally feasible but i kind of wish they had introduced him on pd like as a doctor and then like moved him over to med like i kind of I, I wish we'd gotten to know him a little bit as like as a as a cop 
First of all, PD right now, like the way that their show was set up, would not do that. Would not have fit. But yeah. I wouldn't have said it would not have ever been out of the question if it had happened years earlier, because obviously the same thing kind of happened with Clark, right? Like we met Clark as a firefighter. Mm-hmm. He left fire for a while, and then he came back to med, but still as a doctor. But still, it it could it could have happened. Yeah. But with the way PD's set up right now, it would not have happened. Yeah. Um. Somebody on TikTok, and I'm not back on TikTok, but I only know this because Guy put it on his Insta story. <laughs> Somebody on TikTok took that clip of of Dylan like tackling Uncle Joe and put it to "Move Bitch" by Ludacris. Yes, I did see Guy post that. That made me laugh. That made me laugh. Yeah. yeah. Um, I do want to <laughs> know though if that tackle, if that was Guy or if that was a double. I feel like he posted about it being his double, but I could be wrong. Man. Nobody gets to have any I'm fun trying, on those sets. I'm trying to find his Twitter. Hold on. Let's see. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was him, but I could have sworn I saw somewhere that he had posted about it being his double. But anyway. Pretty awesome, though. Pretty awesome. Yeah. So then after that, they Dr. Charles and Dylan, they apologize to each other. Apologize for coming at you earlier, man. Uh, I just never thought that Uncle Joe was even capable of, um, I get it. You have a long history with him, right? And it can be difficult to see people that you're close to in a certain light. You were right to report him. I talked to Marsha and he was making threats against the sergeant. I mean, it's partially why she kicked him out. Thanks again by the way, for not pressing charges. Hey, that's the last thing someone going through a mental health crisis needs, right? I mean, I'm just glad it looks like he's gonna get the right kind of help now. Yeah. Sit down, will you? I think that you're in a tough spot, right? You're, you're straddling these two worlds, right? And you got loyalty to both. It's just a tricky tightrope to walk. You know, back when I was a cop, all that uh, behavior, that tough guy stuff, it was normalized. Yeah, well, like I said, I think, I think you should take it easy on yourself. This is a sweet scene. Yeah. Again, I really, this wasn't such an unexpected uh, friendship like if you had told me like episode one would Dylan and Dr. Charles be like becoming BFFs I would have said like probably not but I love that they like this friendship that they're building it's one of my favorite it's honestly one of my favorite parts of this season so far it's been really good it's been really really good you know the other little touch that I'm enjoying is that everybody from Dylan's like the cop part of Dylan's life everybody on that side they all call him D uh <laughs> And I love that. I don't know why. I just kind of, it's like, they're not just like easing us into Dylan. It's not like typical new characters when they're just kind of like, here they are. There's going to be in the background for a good minute. And then maybe we'll ease you in right off the bat. They're like, nope, you know him now. He knows you. He is in the universe. Get used to it. Here's his family. Here's his little quirks. Like here's everything. 
but yeah I'm sure that. no I love I love the way they've like had Dylan's character's backstory unfold it's been really rewarding and I feel like it's just enough at the right time like it doesn't feel like too much mm-hmm. right away it doesn't feel like it's not enough like I feel like it's been really paced out over this season mm-hmm. um I do want a sister back though a sister can come back now yeah absolutely absolutely yeah, but love it yeah, yeah no this was this was really really good this was really good um mm-hmm. i mean dylan just does no wrong he just kind of everything they're giving him right now he's knocking out of the park so yeah for i yeah for sure it really would i don't know what it would take but it would take a lot for dylan not to stay as perfect as he is Ooh, ooh i'm gonna knock on wood on that one yeah i know not yeah. on wood. i shouldn't have said it i shouldn't have said it, but <laughs> So anyway. we did get a listener thought about this. Jamie said, Dylan having Dr. Charles talk to his buddy was so sweet. We really all need a Dr. Charles in our life. We do. We do. We really do. I kind of figured he was going to go after Dr. Charles, but the fact that he didn't press charges because he was in a mental health crisis and not like, and that's not what you do. Can we please take a moment to let it be known that Dr. Charles is to be protected at all costs? Yes. And I think that that's, yes. that is a big point there that he was like, you know, it, none of that would help a guy in a mental health crisis. Which is, yep. you know, yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's been Dr. Charles. I mean, that's always been Dr. Charles' stance. But I feel like more now, this season more than ever, obviously with the fact that Archer's like, I don't really know if it belongs in the ED. And Dr. Charles is like, uh, yeah, no, you're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> like, get the yeah. fuck out of here. So, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I, I yeah, great story. Good stuff. Liked it a lot. So, Moving on to one of our other newbies, um, Stevie and Will. They worked together this week. So, Bryna, take it away. Oh, man. Yeah, lots to unpack here. So, we've got Matt is still, is he in a coma or is he just like? No, he's he's good. He's good because his wife was there visiting him. In the beginning? I thought he was still like out of it. But anyway, um. But anyway, so Will thinks Matt is like the whole time, you know, right before he's like talking to Goodwin and he's like, you know, basically saying that like he thought before the cocaine induced heart attack (laughs) that like Matt was going to come clean. And, you know, that is Will is like, no, no, no. Like, I know he was about to come clean. Like, he's clearly feeling something like he was was about to come clean. (laughs) Well, then little Miss Vascomf shows up and... (laughs) Jessa brings by a basket and she is worried about the fact that like it was her fault and Will's like trying to convince her she's like he's like no 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 like there were you know extenuating circumstances like I promise it wasn't the fact that he thought you know that you were on to him like it wasn't that but like this whole time she's like trying to flirt with him and it's just like girl you're being so obvious right now she is like 12 like She's yeah. so young. Okay, like good for you, girl. You're 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 asserting yourself, you're being bold, you're using your voice, you're you know, you're going after it. You know what you want, you're going after it, but also you're like 12. Calm down. It really and it really I feel like we like keep picking on her. Like it really has not a lot to do with her, right? Like, at least for me, at least, it has nothing really to do with her. Like, I don't have a problem with her the fact that like you said she's trying to assert herself she's Mm -hmm. flirting with a guy that she's like I don't have any problem with that it's more just and as we kind of see in the end of the episode like I have a problem with the fact that I'm afraid Will is going to fall into the same cycle and like he kind of starting to so like it's more about William and (laughs) not about her yeah and it's just fun to be like call her little miss fast it's just you know it has nothing to do with her as 
anything. It's more about Will falling in the same patterns. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And I mean, little Miss Vascom, she's got to be in her early 20s, right? She's got to be like probably like 22 mostly yeah i was gonna say like right out of college 22 23 like younger than me for sure and i'm 26 so yeah younger than me for sure so she's she's very early in her career when you're early in your career you trip over yourself you make mistakes you're clumsy like you you know when you're in early in your career you're just finding your way and you're a mess so when you're worried about everything being blamed you know that you're the reason for everything being you know the blame for and that's why she said she was worried about that it you know matt's heart attack was a you know cooper's heart attack was her fault yeah um and so like and like i said i get it it really isn't about her it's about the fact that will has exhibited these patterns before and right right you know we have hannah we have um dr varani and those are just in the last two seasons alone i mean yeah you know like it's clear that will gets involved in a project and like gets involved in something and then there's like a girl that comes along and then he flirts with her and gets involved with her and it usually ends up terrible and so it's more about will falling in the same patterns than it is actually about jessa but i would say i mean would you say will's got like a little bit of a savior complex Yes, I wouldn't have said Verani had anything to do with savior complex. That was just Will trying to save his ass. Yeah. Not trying to save her, but try mm. to save his ass. Um, so I wouldn't say that's exactly the same situation, but the Hannah Asher thing, yes. And I think you could maybe even apply that to Jessa a little bit. But yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So for sure. I, I, the only thing I'll say in Jessa's defense is that she's trying her best. She's trying her yeah, best. Yeah, again. Yeah. Problem solved with her. But anyway, so Willie, so Will and Stevie run across paths, and Stevie actually admits to Will about what's going on with her mom. And Will actually handles this better than I thought he was going to. I don't know what I thought his reaction was going to, but I didn't expect it to be as sympathetic as it was. Mm-hmm. I guess because their relationship is so playful and so bickery and so like you know throwing kind of you know throwing stuff jabs back at each other in a playful way Mm -hmm. and so I guess I kind of expected him maybe to make like some kind of smart Alec comment but he doesn't you know he says you know if you need anything let me know and he's like you know everyone can use a little backup right um he actually handles it pretty well yeah he really does um especially because like you know last week or two weeks ago when we found when he found out about stevie's mom he was like a little judgy there for a second yeah but he softens up pretty nicely well and he even goes so far because stevie you know right now doesn't know anything about like where her mom might be like everywhere she's thought of looking you know she's not there and so will even goes so far as to offer to call jay and we're all and at first because we haven't seen jesse on bed in a long time (laughs) It's been, I think, like, probably two years. Are Jay and Will even still related? <laughs> right. And so we're all like, he was like, oh, you know, I could call my brother Jay. And we're all just like, yes, yes, call Jay, call <laughs> Jay. And even though if that's not the right call, like, call Jay. We just need to know that you guys are still related. <laughs> we, yeah, we, we just want to see you guys occupying the same space. It's just, it's so glaring, though, because... Jesse used to be on Met all the time mm-hmm. as like, you know, that used that used to be like kind of a thing that happened a lot. And now we haven't seen, I mean, granted COVID, like I, I get why, but like, it's just now I'm like, should I call Jay? Like <laughs> call Jay. It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. 
Um, and you know, they're like, she's like, maybe that's the wake up call she needs. And so, um, William, that, yeah, it's like, well, really, that's <sighs> and you were doing so well. You were yeah. doing so well. Yeah, just how, but, she like um, she she was so protective of her mom, and just, like and she was like, you really think the cops are going to help? Like, really? I don't think Will was thinking of it in terms of like, I'm calling the cops. I think he was just thinking of, I'm was, calling my brother. I'm to help. calling my brother. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah for sure. Then, and, and he was doing great until that line when he was like, maybe that's the wake up call she needs. Maybe it's not your place to say, well. Yeah. Um, but like you said, Stevie already says, you know, she already did her time. Like, I'm not going to put her through that again. But Will does go with her to the stash house to try to look for her mom. And, you know, they figure Stevie's like, okay, well, she took something to mind. She's probably trying to sell it, get some money for drugs, you know, like all the stuff. She Stevie's like walking herself through it. So they end up, she and Will go to the stash house. And what they end up finding there is not Stevie's mom, but they do end up finding a little teenage girl. Um and at first it's like wait a second so is will actually gonna call jay now like i think everybody was waiting for like is jesse gonna show up in this episode like is jesse gonna show up in this episode he unfortunately does not but that's okay um and you know the parents end up leaving while they hold on to the little girl and we get this hug and it's just like such an emotional scene you all right yeah i just uh no, I know how that girl feels. Like this is all her fault. I shouldn't have left Chicago. I abandoned my mom. Hey, this isn't your fault. It was my job to protect her. <laughs> my job. No, that was her job. She was supposed to protect you. Oh, this is such a good scene for both of them. Yeah. This yeah. is so good. And I, I do love how, I love how Will like said it almost immediately. Cause she was like, I should have protected my mom. And he said it immediately. He was like, no, like she yep. was supposed to protect, protect you. Like, don't doubt that for a second. She was supposed to protect, protect what you. And I'm sure Stevie's been holding on to that, right? Mm-hmm. Like that that's what she's been, you know, for however long, you know, since they were, she was a kid that like, you know, that's how she should have felt that like she should have protected her mom and that, you know. Mm-hmm. And I get it. Like, I get where you're coming from. But like you said, like, you know, Will reminded her, like, it wasn't her job to be the parent. It was yeah. the parent's job to be the parent. Absolutely. Absolutely. This whole situation with the teenage girl and separating her from her parents, for some reason, it sits kind of wrong with me. Like, sits kind of wrong Why? with me. Because when the cops come and the parents are like, you know, come on, let's go. Like, the little girl is like screaming for her parents, right? I'm not saying that yeah. like they it's not necessarily that they made things worse, but like I don't know. It just seemed very like I it just didn't feel right. It felt kind of like saviorish that they were just kind of like, we're just gonna insert ourselves here and just kind of like remove you, even though, you know. Yeah, I think that was partly supposed to like show obviously. I think that was partly supposed to like reflect Stevie's upbringing a little bit and maybe like what could have happened or like maybe even what should have happened. I'm not saying that that's right, but like maybe what should have happened to Stevie as a child. Yeah. Um, You know, obviously that was why Stevie felt so emotional when they found her. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, when she has that breakdown kind of the will, you know, with afterwards. Um, 
but that was I think why it was there otherwise it was kind of like okay well why else do they go into this rant you know yeah yeah and and they're probably trying to highlight the fact that like Stevie probably wishes that somebody had done that for her right and that's what I'm saying it should have happened or what could have happened to Stevie it's you know I think it's supposed to reflect that but right right um yeah so they go back to the hospital and Will goes and checks on Matt and like I said he's awake now and they're just talking whatever and Will can't even he has to try to get Matt to confess again he just he just has to and he unfortunately he doesn't I guess unfortunately doesn't really get anywhere Matt's not you know in the same place he clearly was when he was high (laughs) the lack of chill from Goodwin and Will about this thing it's 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 really it's laughable right not not like yeah because go ahead no, so I was going to say, to finish this off so we can kind of talk about it as a whole. So basically, Will goes back and he's like, yeah, I was about to get him confess. He was like, I was about to do it. And Goodwin's like, actually, we're going to hold off now. <laughs> Will's like, but, but, but. And Goodwin's like, no, we're going to hold off. And Will's still like, but, but, but. And he, like, eventually says, like, okay, fine. But, like, we all know with Will, that's not actually what he's going to do. He's going to go rogue. William. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. And I was like, I knew this sounded too good to be true. Like it all has been working out pretty well, right? Like Goodwin's allowed him to go rogue. You know, Goodwin's (laughs) allowed him to do this. So it's like, oh, okay, it's fine. Goodwin knows about it. It's fine. And now we're clearly going to see probably in the mid season that like, Will Goodwin obviously has said no, stop it. And Will's going to do it anyway. And it's just be like, oh man. Yeah. I I wonder if that's going to undo like all of the goodwill that will has finally built up with sharon i don't know or is it gonna be like sharon understands you know because she has at least been encouraging it up until this point i don't know that's a good question yeah it's a good question it is will's like will's hellbent on it now like like you were saying will gets focused on a task and he's just like so yeah yeah he's hellbent on it now but you know I just, it's, it's just the, the, the lack of chill, how they're just like, oh yeah, Cooper like almost died last week and had a heart attack, but let's just not even ask him how he is. Let's just skip right to the whole, like, let's, uh, <laughs> can you just like keep talking about what you were talking about right before you had the heart attack? Can we just like go back to that? Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah. then we run into Jessa again. And Jessa decides to keep going even further on her confidence train ride. And mm-hmm. she's like, well, my niece or nephew, whoever is like participating in this tree lighting. Do you want to go with me? And at first it's like, I thought Will was going to say no. And I was like, yes, Will's going to say no. This is what he needs to do. And then he's like, actually, you know what? That'd be great. And I'm just like shit here we go again he needs to be so careful (laughs) so careful william like you know what's going on with jake gyllenhaal right now and how he's being ripped to shreds (laughs) because he was like a lot older than taylor swift when they dated okay (laughs) do not go jake gyllenhaal on her like will needs to be so careful so careful (laughs) oh my goodness i didn't think i didn't even make that comparison but that is hysterical oh my god no Jake Gyllenhaal is an absolute dog for what he did to Taylor Swift. Okay. He was like, he had like 12 years on her. She was like really, really young. Will's got to be so careful. Just, but he's not going to be because he's Will. I just, like I said, it seemed like for a brief second, there was like a hesitation. And I was like, yes, he's going to say no. He's going to actually do it this time. He's going to stay single, like 
break his version of the severide cycle like mm. i was like yes i i'm here for this and then he said yes and i was like fuck you <laughs> like i can't <laughs> i was like why are we doing this the thing with will is that if, if they end up dating she's probably gonna fall so hard for him this is probably gonna be reminiscent of the elsa situation where like she's gonna fall super hard and will is not going to take it that way here's the thing though is like okay I guess, do we think the Cooper situation is going to be wrapped up in the mid-season? That means he's only got one episode to get it done. I just wonder if Cooper's situation gets wrapped up in the mid-season, what is Jess's point of being here anymore? Yeah, so like, are I, they really dating or did they just go on one date? It's not going to get wrapped up in the mid-season. I don't, I mean selfishly i hope it doesn't because i want michael rady to stick around for as long as michael rady wants to stick around for but like i don't know i mean maybe in the you know i guess mid-season premiere but i can't imagine it going past that like what else do we have left of the vascom story i i i don't know I don't know. I just feel like if they, if my point being with why I bring this up is I feel like if Cooper gets wrapped up and Vascom gets wrapped up, then what is Jess's point of being here anymore? Unless she's just better not be solely to date Will. Yeah, it had better not be that. It had better not right? be that. Like if they go on one date and then, you know, it kind of ends because the Vascom situation ends, fine, whatever. But like, Jesus, if they date, date. Don't you touch her, Will. Don't you touch her. Yeah. Oh, man. But anyway, so this whole storyline wraps up because Stevie's mom comes back and she tells Stevie that, you know, she wasn't trying to score anything. She was just trying to get enough money to get the van back. And she ends up giving Stevie, you know, her bracelet back, you know, all this stuff. And but she does want to hit the road. And so. She wants to leave and get out of here. And at first, it seems like Stevie's going to tell her, you know, like, no, you can't do that. Like, either go back to the encampment or come live with me again, yada, yada, yada. But she lets her go. And she says, you know, just like, mom, take care. And Stevie's mom leaves. And I definitely think, even in just a little amount of time we've gotten to know Stevie so far in eight episodes, you can already see the character development and the character growth. Because I don't think Stevie from episode one would have let her mom just leave. No, no way. No way. And big time growth, like you said, but also that must have killed her to do. Right. But it was the right move, right? Like, and it was, I think they'll both be better for it in the end. Like I'm ho- I'm sure her mom will come back at some point. Yeah. Maybe not this season, but maybe in a future season. And we'll see that it was the right move for both of them. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it definitely must have been like super hard. Yeah. Big time. So, but yeah. That's about it. Um, We did get some listener thoughts on this. Megan R said, from the moments we got in this episode, I'm now on board with the possibility of a Will and Stevie relationship. I'm a sucker for some good friends to lovers along with a good slow burn. So I can't wait to see where the writers go with this if they do. I wouldn't be opposed to it. Yeah, I want, that's what I'm saying. Will needed to turn down Jessa to show that he is like actually starting to slowly actually mature. And then we could eventually work our way to the Stevie and Will relationship where I think most of us are ready, you know, or wanting eventually. Yeah, yeah. So Allison said, I like how Will stepped up and had Stevie's back. No judgment, just trying to help and keep her honest about going home at the end of the search. 
the scary slash sad situation they found themselves in and how they tried to help that young girl who Stevie most likely identified with. I like how Will said that she wasn't supposed to protect her mom, but mom was supposed to protect Stevie, but that it also sank in at the end. And as hard as it was, Stevie backed off a little and gave her mom the space to do what she wanted without a fight. Yeah. Um, And then she said, I think that Goodwin has earned a little respect for Will since the beginning of the season. I hope it's a lot more than a little. Like Will's busting his ass. So, yeah, I guess we'll see. I guess it'll depend on really how far Will takes it without Goodwin knowing that that's what he's doing. Yeah. Right? Like if Will had just stopped, I think that's a different situation, but it's clear Will's not just going to stop because Goodwin has asked him to. So yeah. yeah, Will does the opposite of what he's asked to do all the time. Yeah, all the time. for sure. Uh, so she said, I'm kind of disappointed that this is the end of the VASCOM investigation. Although knowing Will and his dislike of the rules, um, he'll probably continue with the investigation, even though Goodwin's calling it quits. Do hope that Sharon backing away from the investigation will help Will physically. But I do like how honest she, she's been with her medical concerns with Dr. Charles and Will. Maybe Will only said yes to VASCOM girl because he thinks he can get more information out of her for the investigation that is over. Okay, that is giving Will the benefit of the doubt. I just want to go on the record and say that was not me who said that. I did not say that. Somebody else gave him the benefit of the doubt this week. I also, here's the thing. I don't know how much, I feel like by forging the friendship, friendship, I use that word loosely, friendship that he has with Jessa, I feel like he's already kind of gotten everything out of her. Like, I don't think she's going to know that much more, right? Like, she's clearly just someone who's right out of college, just got like a, you know, entry level job with this company, yada, yada, Mm -hmm. yada. Like, I don't think she knows that much more. I think Cooper is the one he really needs to talk. Yeah. Because Cooper's also going to have information that's only going to, like, Jessa probably might know stuff about other random hospitals, but that's not going to help Will right. or his situation. He needs to know what Cooper knows because Cooper's the one, you know, that knows all the stuff about med specifically. Right. So I don't think he's really going to try to get anything else out of Jessa because what else does she know? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So. Uh. Moving into Crockett and Ethan. These two are like the dream team. They're such a good pair this season. I, okay. I tweeted this, but I'm so surprised. It feels like it was way more than two years ago, but it's hard to believe that like two years ago, this could have never happened. Yeah. And now we're here and it's just like, man, oh, the times have changed. Big time. Big Not time. that I'm complaining because I love it and like, give me more of it, please. But you know, it's pretty great pretty great yeah okay so remember how we were saying there's another med character at molly's it's crockett and not only is crockett at molly's he's there with avery yes oh my god this was literally the best way to start an episode ever i just i yes 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 but truly but truly it's so good it's so good it's so good so they're at molly's they're flirting it's kind of just the best thing ever i just kind of want to i i the whole episode could have been an hour of crockett and avery flirting and i would have been okay with that (laughs) would have been totally fine. but actually though yeah but actually but then like the buzzkill that she is dr blake text crockett yeah (gasps) i know i know um but crockett's like okay i'm gonna tell her that i'm not available like i've been drinking i'm not available Good job, Crockett. a boy. So then Avery's like, okay, well, what do you say we get out of here? I love her so much. Like, <laughs> I love her so much. She's just like, yeah. she doesn't play any games. She's just straight to the point. And she's like, let's get out of here. 
Crockett she res- is exactly what Crockett needs. Like oh. she really is. Like Crockett is obviously we know been through a lot of shit, and even with the Natalie stuff and kind of the way that all ended too. Like he's just been through so much shit, and so the fact that like you said she doesn't play any games and she's like, "This is who I am. This is what I can give," and it's it's so good. It's so good. Perfection. So Crockett does respectfully decline, but he agrees to a rain check. So we're good. Like. Yes. Yeah. We're still smooth sailing. We're still smooth sailing right now. There's still a chance. There's still a chance. So then the next day Crockett goes to the hospital and Dr. Blake kind of admonishes him for having a life like outside of it. And I didn't mind her in the first, like in the very beginning. And now I'm like, now you're starting to be annoying. Now I can't stand her. Uh, Yeah. I know that everyone's here. Glad that Sarah Rafferty's here. And I have no problem with Sarah Rafferty, but Mm -hmm. Dr. Blake can get the fuck out. I don't like her at all. God, she's such a buzzkill. Like, Ugh. yeah when i still don't really understand uh, we'll say i'll save it for the end mm-hmm. i'll save it for the end okay keep going so yeah so she's starting to be the worst that's going on so then they're like crockett and ethan they get a patient they're working together and ethan's back in the swing like he's he's good it's just like riding a bike like he's back in the swing he's working he's still wearing his back brace he's still using his cane but you know he's back and so and and crockett's really looking out for him which i thought this was so cute so like they get the patient in and ethan goes to like help them lift and crockett's like not yet brother not yet and ethan's kind of like crockett and he's like no sorry like adorable love it again this would not have happened two years ago we've come so far we've come so far yeah just it's it's everything we love about the one chicago like family dynamic is that they look out for each other they look out for each other it's sweet yeah so then we get into the old surgery versus no surgery debate. <laughs> yeah. So yep. the, their patient has a hernia that like won't go anywhere. And so Crockett is like team surgery and Ethan's like team. No. So <laughs> yeah. Crockett's like, I'm not letting you risk it. Like you're not, we're not trying to reduce the hernia. Like it's too physically taxing on you. We're not doing it. So then Ethan talks to the patient. His wife could give birth at any moment and he doesn't want to be laid up in the hospital. He makes, he basically makes the case of like, you know, this is no why surgery. we should do it manually. Yeah. So then Crockett comes in later and it turns out Ethan went over Crockett's head to Archer. Dude, that's such a cheap just shot. Just when it was so good. Yeah. Just when it was doing well, it goes, woo. Such a cheap <laughs> shot. And I, I don't think Ethan did it to like, it, there was no ill will. Ethan just wanted to, he just wanted to prove that he could do it. Right. Well, and it was, yeah, like it wasn't anything, like you said, it wasn't any ill will towards Crockett. I think it was also, that was what he truly thought was best for the patient. He yeah. wanted, you know, he felt for the patient about wanting to be there for his wife and, you know, all the stuff, yada, yada, yada. So he was like, okay, well, what do I need to do to make that happen? Mm-hmm. And then unfortunately kind of meant going over Crockett, you know, to Archer. Yeah, it's really interesting how Archer is kind of like the devil on Ethan's shoulder. Like, kind of. Yeah, like normal, like level-headed Ethan, like the way he is, he's just he's irrational, right? Like he's he's not going to take a risk unless he thinks that he can pull it off. But now, like he needs to hold himself back a little bit because of this physical limitation, and Archer's just the devil on his shoulder. Like, do it, do it, do it. It's interesting. But I don't think that was, I mean, not that, again, not that I like Archer or anything. I don't think mm-hmm. Archer was like, no, I'm going to get back at Crockett by telling Ethan no. to be, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. I think 
I think Archer feels like he also needs to get back at Ethan's good graces a little bit too. Mm. And was kind of also like, well, if this is what Ethan wants to do. I mean, I think Archer also thought that was a fine move. I don't think Archer thought anything was going to really happen. Mm -hmm. um, And wasn't certainly thinking about the fact that Ethan could have hurt himself further. Um, But I think he was like, you know what? Ethan wants to do this and I'm going to let Ethan do this. Um, So yeah um crockett makes he's he's just like the man of wisdom in in this episode because he's just making so much sense and he just literally is telling um archer he's like if it's not safe for the doctor it's not safe for the patient hello um that's a given and so the fact that archer's willing to take that risk i'm just like you suck archer but like we knew that so whatever i god i would hope if like i was in that position somebody would advocate that way too and say it's not safe for the doctor so it's not safe for you yeah god so ethan's trying to reduce the hernia he needs more leverage so he removes his back brace and it, he does reduce the hernia he gets it like he's good and he it seems like he's fine i love the contrast in this moment because he reduces the hernia he's like yeah like good job you did it awesome he turns around and like he is in a lot of pain and that's an understatement like the minute the patient yeah. can't see him he lets it show that like he is in severe pain severe Crockett could not have handled this any better. He is so good at this. He's just like, he's like, okay, talk to me. Like, what's wrong? Like, it's okay. I've got you. What's wrong? And like, Ethan's almost like crying. He's in so much pain. Like this, this whole moment is just fantastic. Fantastic. And Ethan's just like, we better go get an MRI. Like that, that was not good. That was not good. Yeah. And so Ethan's getting the MRI. There's like multiple slip discs. His back is in shambles again. And Crockett is pissed at Archer. Yes. Amen to that. This wasn't some freak accident. Can you excuse us, please? Say what now? You should never have allowed Ethan to push himself like that. Navy men are a tough breed. Sacrifice is That's garbage. As acting chief, it is your duty to look out for your doctors. If they can't say when, you're supposed to. Simple as that. I mean... This was so satisfying. Oh, so satisfying. (laughs) This was so... I've been, like... I mean, obviously, we've seen, like, some people start to get at Archer a little bit, like Dr. Charles and whatever, but, like, this was just so satisfying. Exactly. And, and, and just the way that like Archer was like, well, Navy men are a different breed and Crockett's like, hello, like we're in the hospital. We're not in that situation. Like you fucked up. You should have looked out for him and you didn't, you pushed him and that's a little toxic. Well, and I, So kind of going back to what I was talking about earlier, I think in a lot of ways to this kind of paralleled and differently, of course, but like paralleled what, why he's been mad at Dr. Blake or why he was mad at Dr. Blake earlier. Yeah. And the fact that like, she clearly isn't looking out for the people who work under her best interest by thinking, oh, like you, what you can't have, like you should just work all the time. Like her life is work, 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 work. And like, there should obviously be some sort of like work-life balance. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't see that. And Archer in a way, I mean, granted very differently, but Archer isn't looking out for his doctor's best interest. And like, he should have clearly known the fact that like, Ethan physically couldn't have done that procedure and that's why Crockett was like no well you've got to do the surgery yeah and you know like that like in very different ways they kind of paralleled each other yeah um 
And so I think it just kind of all like manifested and he was just like, let it all out on Archer, who was the right choice to let it all out on, by the way, but. Fantastic. Yeah. That was very satisfying. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So then Crockett tries to put his foot down with Dr. Blake and it backfires because he's just like, you know, like overworking the people who are under you. Like, that's ridiculous. I'm not going to do that. And then she gives him some like dialogue about how, like, you know, when you're losing sleep over like saving people's lives, you know, that kind of bothers you even more. And then she's like, I think we're cut from the same cloth. Stop. No, they're not. No, they're totally not. They're totally not. The other question I have about this with Dr. Blake and Crockett is how is she going to react when he finds, when she finds out that he's like seeing Avery? Do you think she knows already? And is just mm-hmm. waiting for someone to confess? No way. No, I don't think she knows at all. Really? You don't think at all that she knows? I don't think, I don't think Dr. Blake and Avery are that close. I mean, no, I don't think they're that close either. I'm not saying that Avery's already told him. I'm thinking just from like the interaction she's seen from them in the hospital and stuff like that. I don't think she has any idea. You think she's going to react that negatively because it's her daughter because Crockett's having a life? Both. She's going to blow a gasket, I think. But then where does that leave us? That's kind of what I'm wondering. It's like, okay, she's clearly not going to be happy about it, whatever. Where do you think that leaves us? Like, what is the point of Dr. Blake is really what I'm getting at. Because I don't like her. I I don't like the way she's talking to Dr. Crockett. I don't like, I just, I don't like any of it. So like, I just, I'm curious, what is the point of all this? I think it's going to make, I think they're probably going to just face, they're going to give Crockett the dilemma of like, do you choose work or do you choose life? God, he better choose life. I know. I know he deserves to be happy. Everybody in the one Chicago universe deserves to be happy. Except for Archer. He's mean. Um, <laughs> and Void. Yeah. Fuck that guy. But, yeah, we'll get there. We'll, yeah, that's, we'll, for a diff- that's for later in the podcast. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I think that's kind of the dilemma they're, they're putting up right now. It's like, does Crockett want to devote himself to work tirelessly? Or does he want to have a life and branch out? And I think they said that that was kind of the goal for Crockett this year is they wanted to show him like, reevaluating what's important to him and what he wants to do yeah so i just hope it doesn't i mean i hope avery sticks around forever and ever and ever because i love her and crockett but like dr blake can leave soon please avery is so good for him like you were saying so good so good so so good so Um, good oh man so then we go back to ethan and um, Ethan's walking out with Dr. With, with this good one. And it turns out he's going to have like this like major spinal fusion surgery. Um, so he'll be out for two months, like two months of rehab, but like, we just got you back. Like, is this because he had to go back to filming for that thing with Nicole Kidman? Is that I why? I think so. I think so. I think so. But like, <sighs> And maybe this is just me, but I would have rather him just stayed away from Ed and then bring him back when he's coming back from good. Like this being back for like two seconds and then just be like, oh, just kidding. Goodbye now again. Like I would have just rather him like stayed away and then like come back when he's like coming back for good. No, I'm, I'm okay with that actually. Like I, it was nice to have him for the two episodes. It made, it made things more exciting. It made things more, you know, we wouldn't have gotten that scene with Crockett and Archer. If Ethan hadn't come no, back. I know, I know. And I, you know, obviously I'd love Brian T. Like it has nothing to do with that. It just, it just feels like, why did he come back if he's getting ready to leave again? It's okay. But then he'll be back for good. Yeah. Hopefully. I'm just saying this show and Nicole Kidman better be worth it. That's all I'm saying. It will. It will. 
But like, it's going to be good. But like, don't be too good. Don't be stealing Brian from us. Yeah. No, 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 no. But Nicole Kidman usually does like the limited series. It's like the one and done. So yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. 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 Hopefully this is just the one and done and it won't be like a limited series that they does so well that they're like, oh, nope, we're going to give it a second season. And we'll be like, although she's in Big Little Lies, right? Didn't that get a second season? Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Hmm. Okay. We want it to be good, but we don't hope it's like too good. Right. Exactly. 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 Um, there, I, I thought this was a really sweet moment though, when he's talking to Goodwin and like, he still goes out of his way to open the door for her. Adorable. Uh, yeah. cause he's Ethan and he's we love Ethan. him. Yeah. He's Ethan and we love him. It's good. It's good. So yeah, that's, that's Crockett and Ethan. Mm. I'm enjoying yep. seeing Crockett stand up to Archer and Dr. Blake and be like, you guys suck. Here's what I'm going to do. <laughs> yeah. More of that, please. More of that. Yeah. So Got a couple listener thoughts on this. Megan said, I understand that Ethan wants to get back to work as soon as possible, but Crockett had every right to be concerned about him. Didn't like Ethan's behavior in this episode. However, I'm glad he's finally realizing that he needs to truly listen to his body and recover before coming back to work. Yeah. Um, Allison S said, love the drink that Crockett and Avery had at Molly's. So happy to see the med folks at the bar. Yes, we don't get enough of them at the bar. We really don't. Um, and really, we don't get PD ever anymore. So, like, I'll take anybody else that's not fire showing up at Molly. So, I mean, is PD um, even in the same universe still? <laughs> like, <laughs> it's a great question. Like, it's are, like clearly fire and med overlap, but like, is PD just like way out there on its own island? Yeah. Or like, is there is there another Chicago somewhere in the U.S. and like that's where Chicago PD takes place, and they're just not telling us? Is there like is a Chicago- some like alternate universe where yeah, like, like the two Chicago's simultaneously exist? Yeah, like you know how some states have a lot of cities by the same name, and I'm just wondering if there's another Chicago like that's not in Illinois. I don't know, I don't know. and maybe that like maybe they're just faking us out. I don't think there is another know. Chicago, but like maybe there's like a Chicago, Wisconsin, or something, and that's where PD takes place. They just didn't tell us. I don't know. Yeah. Um. Allison said, I wonder if Blake knows that Avery was out for drinks with Crockett and that's why she texted so late that she doesn't like the fact that Crockett may be dating her daughter. Unclear. I don't know, but I guess we'll find out. I'm sure. Um, And then Allison went on to say, I get the transplant teams work whenever the organs become available, but there must be other teams within the hospital. It is normal that people have nights off and they aren't on call, which is why I think there was more behind the late text. Another thought entered my mind as I'm writing this. Maybe Blake wants Crockett to not only learn from her, but to be an equal. I think she really respects him and how he does best for his patient each time. She said last week, I think that she liked the Crockett that threw her out of her daughter's operating room. Maybe Blake keeps pushing Crockett to help him become more self-confident. He's self-confident. Yeah, but sometimes he thinks that he's not. I think he's gotten more confident, but I think he, there's definitely been times where he's like, you know, not as sure of his abilities. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's an interesting theory. I, you know, like, yeah, I definitely think there's probably different version, you know, different shifts of transplant teams because yeah. nobody expects them to just stay at the hospital 24 hours a day. Like, mm-hmm. you know, anyway. But it is an interesting theory. I don't, you know, I don't know. 
Um, and then she also just said, I can't figure out if Archer's motives. Is he doing this so that he can retain his position as head of ED? Or is he overcompensating for his guilt of Choi being shot by a patient he screwed up with? This is yet another reason to dislike Archer. How many volumes does this make? <laughs> <laughs> it's like a laundry list. Yeah. 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 Uh, Haley G said, I know you guys were thinking about a ship name for Crockett and Avery. What about Cravery? Since everyone seems to crave it. I love it. It's not bad. Um, I don't know. I don't know where we're going. I, I don't know. I definitely think either Cravery or Averett. Mm, I think Averett flows better, but I yeah. enjoy Cravery. But that, I, like the, I like the Cravery for, you know, everyone seeming to crave it. Like, I think that's fun. But yeah, definitely either Cravery or Averett. I don't care what we call them. I ship it wholeheartedly. Yeah. I, I, yes, clearly. Obviously. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then lastly, Jamie said, you know, obviously we got the Crockett Avery date at Molly's, hard eye emojis. Um, and she said, props to the bartender who could pronounce Arnold Palmer because I sure as shit can't do that. <laughs> um, and then she also, yeah, they're so good. Um, and then she said, Dr. Blake needs to get laid. Crockett has every right to a personal life. I know it's transplant surgery, but you can't always be on call, can you? <laughs> Right. Um, not from my, I mean, like, I don't know, you know, every hospital system's different, at mm-hmm. least from the experience that I've had with my dad, which is only, you know, my experience, mm-hmm. someone from his office was always on call, but obviously there were multiple doctors in the office. So they just rotated the days like on who was on call. And then if you got, were on call on Fridays, you got the whole weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, I think it really just depends again, how you, if you only work for a hospital system, how that works, I don't know, but no, I think it's unrealistic to think that every, you know, for 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you're going to be on call. Right. Right. I think got to sleep at some point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Last up, we've got Vanessa and Maggie. So Brenda, take it away. Okay. So we all knew this day was going to come, right? It's random drug test day. And of course, Vanessa's still been taking the pills so obviously we all can just tell from the look on her face we don't even need to know that she she hasn't even said at this point that she's still taking the pills we just can like look at her and see that like from her sheer panicked look that she is clearly still taking the pills and she's clearly already running scenarios in her head like she knows that she's not gonna be able to get out of this so Vanessa is in the bathroom trying to do the only thing she can think of and throw up And Maggie, of course, comes in and finds her and is concerned about her, obviously. And she tries to pass it off as food poisoning, but it's still even that, like, even if she had food poisoning and, you know, was very sick, she would still have to go take her test before she could go home. So, like, that's not going to get her out of anything. Um, But, yeah. So, Vanessa's kind of stuck in a rock and a hard place. So... Vanessa at this point doesn't really know what to do so she goes up to the roof and cries and Maggie finds her there and the roof, <laughs> the roof. yeah the, the roof. green screen roof yeah and this of course leads Vanessa to have a panic attack and she eventually comes clean about the Adderall and Maggie is I think shocked at first she 
that was not a, what she was expecting her to say mm-hmm. clearly um but maggie slips into mom mode into like fix it mode and she's like you know what i'm gonna help you and she slips her lasik to take before the test um and they you know she's like take this we'll do another drug test before you or take the real one and like see if it's out of your system um and you know at first it's not and then you know like i said she slips her lasik and she's you know gonna be fine and vanessa ends up thanking maggie for everything and you know maggie's like no 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 like it's fine you don't owe me and vanessa's like no 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 like i you know i really i do um and of course maggie did this out of the good of her own heart and because clearly she cares about vanessa i don't know you know vanessa's her daughter um whether they use those terms or not like that's why maggie did it Mm -hmm. but i my question for you is do you think that it's gonna come back to bite them like the cover-up or do you think that like this is it and it was more about just the fact of like trying to establish further the maggie vanessa bond i think it's yeah i'm I'm, I'm hopeful that it's just trying to establish the bond i mean that's just that's not the kind of thing that like like bringing that back to bite them would be making a mountain out of a molehill like, yeah, yeah, and the fact that like, I, 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 it struck me odd that she was like, um, you know, Maggie was like, well, you have to have a prescription and then you're fine, and she's like, well, I don't have a prescription, but I, I got drug tested once for a job that I had, and I don't, I didn't have to show proof of my prescriptions. I don't think, I just was like, yeah, I have a prescription, and they were like, okay. I've never been drug tested, so I don't know, but. I guess it's just covering your ass. Like if they were to ask you for your prescription, mm-hmm. right? Like they may not have you in your case, you may have said, oh, I have a prescription and they left it fine. But what if they didn't, right? Yeah. Like what if they needed then to be like, oh, well, we need to know at least who your doctor's office is so we can contact them and have your permission to con, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Then that's where Vanessa would have been screwed. And I guess that's probably the case, right? Like she probably knows she would have had to show some sort of proof. Mm-hmm. And that's why she knows she was screwed. Otherwise, like, I don't think, again, like you said, I don't think if they had not, if she had not had to show some sort of proof, then like they wouldn't have had a storyline. <laughs> so yeah. like, True. you know, but True. I don't know. So, uh, but we did get, you know, that's kind of the end of it. Just a quick little thing, basically Maggie and Vanessa coming together and hopefully we see more of this again. I do like them, whether they'll become full mother daughter, I don't know, but like, mm-hmm. um, I like seeing them get closer, um, yeah. you know, little piece by pieces. Um, we did get one listener thought on this. Megan R said, did Maggie do something like what Vanessa did when she was younger? It seems to be the only explanation as to how she knows what to do about off book drug tests. I think she's she's a nurse. I mean, they know yeah, things. Yeah, I think she yeah, I think she just knows that like, hey, if you do this, this is gonna show up on your drug test. So if you don't do this or if you do this this way, then like it won't show up in your yeah, like I don't think it's you know that hard to probably figure out after, you know, being a nurse. Yeah. So so any other notes about med? Solid episode. I'm curious to see what the mid-season finale holds. So, yeah. you know, we'll see in a couple of weeks. But um, again, solid episode. Really solid. Again, Med continues to be our safe show. Yeah, like who knew that all this time, like after all the years, that Med would be like our comfort show this year. <laughs> but actually, though. <laughs> but actually, though. But actually. And like, I think that's not just us. Like everyone has been saying to us, like, who knew Med was going to be so good this year? It's my comfort show now, which is kind of crazy. And like, it, yeah. Med is Same. the best it's ever been. 
Yeah, and that obviously just compliments to everyone in the writer's room. But yeah, Meta's been so strong this year mm-hmm. that even just saying that it's a solid episode every week doesn't feel like enough because it's that good this yeah, year. It really is. It really is. And they've done a very good job of integrating the new characters because when you look at the cast as yes. a whole, we're down to what, maybe four original characters, five? Um, Goodwin, Goodwin Maggie, Charles, Maggie, Ethan. Will Ethan. Will Ethan, Will. five, five. <laughs> Will, how did you forget your favorite redhead? Um, I'm trying to, like, my goal for the podcast this week is to, like, not fangirl over him. So just just know that I'm doing it internally. Okay. Um, It's all internal, yeah. So, um, yeah, I know my favorite redhead. I forgot my favorite redhead. But... Uh, yeah, I know it's been it's been the best it's ever been. And I think they did a really good job because like those first couple episodes without Ethan, if you looked at it, we had hardly any original characters. A lot of the interactions were between all new characters and solid. Or newer characters. Newer yeah, characters, yeah. yeah. And it's been fantastic. So yep. it's been yeah. really good. Yep. So yep. moving into fire. This was a good episode. This was really, really this good. This was definitely, I don't know about you, this was definitely my favorite favorite episode in the post 200 era not that we've had that many yet but this has been the best one so far i'll agree with that i i it breaks my heart that we have a post casey era but um i didn't want to even say that's why i said post 200 era that's why i said that I that way I can but say um yeah no for sure like this i think is i mean granted it's still weird and we'll talk about why it's so mm-hmm. we'll talk about you know all that but like i think so far this has been the strongest and their best one yet right right and i mean we're, we'll get there in a in, in a few but also like the, the mvp of this episode is violet hands down yeah yeah I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait. Yeah. Yeah. Violet hands down. So, okay. We're going to start with Cruz because this was actually really sweet. So as they're walking into shift, Cruz is walking with Cap and Tony and Cruz gets preschool advice from Cap and Tony of all the people. Right. Oh my gosh. And so, oh my God. Who's, was it Tony who said this? Yeah. 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 Tony said that preschools for the slow kids, right? Just send them to real school. Tony, Tony. (laughs) When he said that, I was like, I, I mean, I granted it. It's, I get it. It's all a joke. But I was like, Tony, like, you can't just say that. Oh, my God. Uh, like, it, it, I, I am liking this dynamic that they're putting forward of, like, Cruz talking about the baby with Cap and Tony. Because it's like Cap and Tony are just, like, the worst people to talk about a baby with. Well, um, and it's just, I love seeing that they've, every year, it feels like we get a little bit more of Cap and Tony each mm-hmm. year. Like, I feel like we've gotten so much of them recently, even if it's just like kind of throwaway lines, but I, I, I just love it. And I thought that I was like, I can't believe he just said that. <laughs> like, I really can't. So wrong. That's so wrong. So 81 and squad three, they get called to a building where a scaffolding fell on top of a pregnant lady. This poor woman, like she can't just walk the streets of Chicago. Just no, nope. just nope poor thing okay she's seven months pregnant and she's like buried under the scaffolding because she can't just live her life like yeah so Cruz is the one who like gets in there and and talks her down and everything and then tries to get her out and Cruz is so he's the perfect person for this situation perfect dad Cruz is the best Cruz dare I say it dad Cruz is the best Cruz it's pretty it's pretty great Uh, as Lauren from the locker room says Dilf Nation rise up (laughs) Dilf Nation but actually though oh man so yeah and he's just super calm with her and talks to her about the baby and I love how he talks about Otis and he's like I've got a newborn baby and it's the best and just like so sweet so sweet so she and the baby are fine actually which like wow thank god she like 
yeah she she, she definitely got lucky with that one oh yeah yeah for sure in yeah. terms of people who are involved in like chicago fire calls she definitely got up easy yeah yeah she was yeah. very lucky so her name's Stacy. Brett finds her purse in the ammo and gives it to Cruz to drop off since they had such a nice connection. So Cruz and squad three show up at the apartment and, you know, he notices it's pretty bare. So she lost her job. She's doing this all by herself. She had to scale back and Cruz really wants to help her. So he has Chloe drop off some extra baby stuff that they're not going to use for Otis. Like they got that much baby stuff that he's a newborn and they're already like, cool. I guess I, I thought the part that was so funny, including the onesie that Cap gave him and Cap, they, he like holds it up and Cap's like, I gave you that. And he's like, tries to like backtrack like, no, we got four or five of them. I don't know if this is yours. And the Cap's just like, really? Yeah. I thought that was adorable. I thought it was the cutest squad onesie in the world. Why would you, why wouldn't you keep that? It's so cute. Also, I don't trust the fact that that was Cap that gave it to him. Like this was around the time when Maisie was still around. So I have a feeling that was all Maisie, right? Like that could not have been Cap that picked that out. That was too cute. Really nothing with Cap would surprise me if Cap's able, (laughs) maybe Cap, like Cap, for Cap to like know his way around a cricket and how to like make stuff wouldn't surprise me at all because it's Cap. You just never know. Yeah. I don't know, man. But yeah, I, I just thought it was funny. He was like, Hey, I give you that. Mm, Okay. Yeah. I love how Cruz is like, does that make you feel any better? He's like, no, not really. (laughs) Not really. Yeah. So then Stacy stops by to thank them for all the stuff that they gave her. And she knit Otis a little squad three hat to say, thank you. It's so cute. Oh my God. I need to see the picture of the baby in the squad three hat though. Right. Right. Um, who said this last part? Was this Joe? No, this was Stacy. This was Stacy. Yeah. So Stacy just says, she's like, you know, remember to see the big picture and how lucky you are to bring a loved child into the world because that's all that really matters. So, you know, now Cruz doesn't have to worry about all the preschool stuff. Such a heartwarming little storyline. Yeah. Oh, Dad Cruz is the best. Dad Cruz is the best Cruz. The growth, the growth from season one to now. Yeah, as Joe would say, from murderer to father. <laughs> that was in the round table, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's it's hilarious. Um, hilarious. But yeah. So, so I guess we should move in and let's talk about Let's talk about Severed and Herman. Okay. This was the what the fuck part of the uh, the episode. <laughs> this was the what the fuck. Oh, yeah. We'll get there. We'll get okay. there. Okay. Brian, I take it away. So Herman walks into shift and he's carrying this like big ass box from his car. And he eventually starts pa- unpacking it in Casey's old officer's quarters. Because obviously we've got an empty office. Herman's like, well, I'm an officer. I'm the only other officer right now. That should be my quarters. Duh. And so Severide goes over and he's like questioning it. And ultimately at first he's like, okay, I'm just going to let it go. Whatever. Like no big deal. Mm -hmm. But like, of course he like can't help but get in the jab about the fact that like the last time Herman tried to give himself an office, he almost burnt down the firehouse, (laughs) which hysterical, Mm -hmm. but true. Um, But Severide's like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to leave it alone for right now. Yeah. So he goes back in his quarters and Severide tries to call Stella because this whole time, which again, we'll get there you know, Bowden's like, I don't really know what Stella's plans are, you know, when she coming back, yada, yada, yada. Like, I don't really know if I can make her permanent lieutenant. You know, I can't make her permanent lieutenant if she's not here. Mm-hmm. And so Severide calls Stella and he gets her voicemail. And he's just like, hey, like, I just want to make sure you're keeping Bowden in the loop about your furlough, yada, yada, yada. Call me back. Love you. And it's just like, okay. 
I mean, I loved hearing love you, but like, I still don't like the fact that they're not clearly talking. This is brutal. This is brutal. So while all this is happening, though, Herman has like some jazz music blaring from his office (laughs) and Severide's like, I can't stand this. So he goes to confront him. But again, it doesn't really go anywhere. He's just like, turn it down. And like, that's all Severide needs. He just kind of leaves it alone. So again, Herman keeps doing like more and more without really trying to do more and more, but Herman keeps doing more and more. So Severide's like trying to take a nap and he hears banging coming from Herman. And he, again, goes and confronts him about like sharing space with other people. And I love the fact that Herman's like, well, yeah, I live with six other people. Like, of course (laughs) I know how to share space. Um, And Severide's just like, you know, I was right beside Casey for 10 years and we never had any problems. Yeah. And I'll admit at this point, I was just like, I didn't get why I I didn't put two and two together like the, the obvious connection that like he was upset over Stella because every time he was just like really mean to Herman I was like what the hell is his problem but I think it's yeah. both right like I think he was obviously clearly upset about Stella but I think he was also to the fact that like he just said like Casey was the one that was in there for 10 years like they're the ones who kind of started you know yeah. out as lieutenants together like you know they kind of rode the ranks the same way in the same mm-hmm. time and obviously they're best friends and as we've talked about in previous episodes we hadn't up until now I think really started to see Severide deal with some of his Casey feelings Mm -hmm. and so I think it was the combination of like dealing finally somewhat dealing with his Casey feelings and feeling like okay well if someone else is moving into Casey's office that makes it more permanent yeah um that like he's actually gone for the time being but also then with the Stella stuff too I think it's the combo yeah yeah um so Herman of course though talks about it to Mouch, you know, about just how cranky Severide's being about all of it. And Mouch, again, kind of points out, he's like, you know, Casey was his best bud and like, you know, they had a real camaraderie back there. So Herman gets the idea. He's like, okay, well, if Casey's not here, then I could be the next Casey. And so he like tries to go to Severide's quarters and like have a cigar chat with him with like the two most pathetic cigars I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> um, But Severide's like, not having it he kind of gets like you said gets on Herman at this point he's like no no like I'm fine like I I, I just I'm not I don't want to do it like I yelled at him yeah it, with that part I was like ah. like all the other part I was just like okay Severide's annoyed when is Severide not annoyed like it's I'll fine. admit I'll admit that scene I wasn't paying full attention because the one before that had all the violet stuff um and I'm I'm glad that I wasn't paying full attention because like that wasn't nice yeah um but Severide is Severide, right? Like he goes at the end of the episode, he goes to Herman's house with cigars and apologizes and they have their own little version of a cigar chat. I don't know when Stella's coming back. You don't know? Well, she tells me, but then it changes. And I know Girls on Fire really means a lot to her. It's just, we've never had this much distance between us. That's rough. Hey, I'm trying to think of a time Cindy and I, we had something like that happen, but- Herman, the thing about the cigar chats is you don't always have to have the answers. There's enough to just listen. Okay, I can do that.
I don't know what's going on with her. Or where we're going to be when she does come back. Oh, man. Lots to unpack here. But first, I will say, I do like the fact that, like, Severide had to clarify about the cigar chats. Like, sometimes you don't have to just have the answers. Like, it's enough to just listen. Because, right. yeah, a lot of times the cigar chats with Severide and Casey, it's not been about the fact that, like, someone's giving advice to others or whatever. It's just being there and just listening and, like, having that person you can tell all of this stuff to and, like, mm-hmm. have them not judge you. So I did like that little line. But okay. how do we feel... Let's get to the- how do we feel now that Herman has like been brought into the fold? Cause I mean, cigar chats have always been sacred. You know, I think it's fine. Right. Like I'm glad mm-hmm. someone, like I'm glad Severide's at least opening up to someone and mm-hmm. like, he's going to have to have these conversations with someone other than Stella. Right. Like mm-hmm. he can't just only tell his feelings to Stella. Um, for the sacredness of cigar chats, I wish there was some kind of like clarifier. Like I wish it had been like something else, like beer chats or, you know, something <laughs> else, because I feel like cigar chats are Severide and Casey's thing, mm-hmm. but I guess Bowden's been brought into them sometimes too. So maybe, you know, it's not that weird, but um, the circle is expanding. I'd rather Severide, I'd rather Severide talk about his feelings with somebody than not at all. So for that sake, I'm fine with it. Yeah. And okay. Like we got to talk about the end of this scene. Okay. The end of the scene was just a giant. What the fuck? Like, yeah. What the fuck? I didn't, I, it never even dawned on me the possibility that like he and Stella might be having problems, but I don't like it. Well, and here's the thing. I don't think they're necessarily having problems, right? Like I don't think, well, let's put it this way. I don't think they're necessarily sitting, like having conversations where they're fighting all the time. Mm-hmm. I think Severide is in his head because I don't think like in Stella's mind, I don't think there is a problem, right? Mm-hmm. Like Stella to me is probably just like, oh, I'm so invested in Girls in Fire. Like as long as Bowden's okay with it, like I, you know, I'm going to keep doing this. They want me here. That's fine. I don't think in Stella's mind, there's a problem. I think Severide is taking the fact that he's fine. Like he finally put a ring on it, right? Yeah. He finally has taken that step with somebody, the love of his life, Stella Kid, and she's just now gone. And she keeps putting it off and putting it off, putting off her return date. And to him, I think he's worried that that maybe is like, oh, well, maybe that's not like maybe my relationship is like maybe I'm not meant to get married. Like, I think he sees it as like a sign of some sort. I just think in Severide's mind, it's a problem and it's not in Stella's mind. I that seems like the most logical conclusion. And I really hope that's the case. I really hope he's just in his head because like I'm not. No, we've been through too much. I'm not here for Celeride angst. Yeah, and I think too, I think he's worried about her and like the fact that like as much as he obviously knows that she loves doing Girls on Fire, that maybe it's ruining her profession. Like staying away as long as she has is almost kind of ruining her professionally at 51. Mm -hmm. Because like she's got her chance, right? Like this is the lieutenant spot is open and it should have been hers. We all knew it was supposed to be Sella's and obviously I still think it is. But Mm -hmm. like- Pelham is kind of creeping his way in there. And if she's not careful, then she's going to lose it. And she is going to have to leave 51. And, you know, it's like, I don't know. But yeah, I think it's all in Severide's head. I hope it's all in Severide's head. But this was still not nice to see. No, it really wasn't. It really wasn't. And and like, I, I am not enjoying having Stella gone this long. I'm not liking it. But no, she needs to come back. Yeah. And and like, I... 
go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say like, what we've heard. Okay. So, so Derek was quoted by saying that we will see Stella by the end of the year. Okay. That means I think she is going to and be. I think Miranda season. has said that too, right? Correct I think me if so. I'm wrong. Yeah. Because um, when Miranda did that virtual con, she said she was gone for five episodes. Last week was the fifth. Yeah. So she, yeah. we should have her back in the mid season, but I'm still just like, I'm nervous after Casey. I'm like, what are we doing? Okay. What are we doing? Does Miranda secretly want out? And like, they're just begging her to stay. And she's just like hanging around for an episode and then she's going to leave again. Like just. I I think. I know the trust has been broken and it's like, I don't know what to trust anymore. I don't know what to feel, you know, everything, anytime it like seems like someone may leave, like I'm actually going to be worried now that they're going to leave until I see for the fact that they haven't left. Um, we have trust issues. Yeah, now. I just, yeah, for sure. Um, I don't know. Like, and I think to me, and we've kind of talked about it within our different group chats too, that like, to me, there's still, you know, I think, like I said earlier, this has been the best episode post Jesse Spencer leaving, but mm-hmm. there is still a gaping hole and there always will be a gaping hole because of the fact that he's not on the show. Yeah. But the hole is even bigger right now because Miranda has not been on the show mm-hmm. and I need that gap to close as like small as it's going to get because my heart can't take it anymore. And I don't feel like it's getting closer to the fire that I love, but it's still not back yet. And I think Stella being back will, you know, close that goal and make, you know, make it feel a lot more like the fire we all know and love. And it's not there yet. And I just, I need her back. I need Stella kid back. Yep. Yep. So all of it. Yeah. Um, so we did get some listener thoughts on this, of course. Um, Megan R said, although the cigar chat felt weird without Casey, it was nice seeing Kelly talk to somebody about how he's feeling. I love when shows go deep and has a character be vulnerable and show emotion, but what the hell did Kelly mean by he doesn't know what's going on with Stella or where they're going to be when she comes back? I thought they were solid. This is definitely something I'm intrigued about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Yep. And then Allison said, we got Cigar Chat 2.0 and it was great. It was different, yes, but great. That's pretty much, that sums up fire right now in five words, like six words, you know. It's different, but it's great. Yeah. Again, it's getting back to the fire, you know, we all know and love, but Mm -hmm. Stella needs to come back. Right, right. So um, she said, Herman's such a fixer and always offering advice. I like that Severide just said, it's okay to listen. My heart broke when Severide was talking about Stella. When is she coming home and what it would look like when she did? The sadness on his face was bad, but the level of concern on Herman's face was even worse. I like that Kelly has someone he can talk to. It's been building for a while and I'm glad he was able to get it off his chest. Yeah. And I think we are going to see going forward. I think we're going to see Severide and Herman kind of bond a little bit and maybe like their friend, like develop their friendship. Yeah. Um, I will say though, and I, maybe this is just because of who our friends are, but it does seem kind of glaringly obvious too, that like the one person he probably should be talking about this maybe a little bit more with is Sylvie. And it's like, cause obviously Sylvie is Stella's best friend mm-hmm. and obviously the Matt, you know, connection to Matt's girlfriend. So like, why isn't he, you know, are they just never going to talk, have a conversation? Like, it feels like she maybe would have been the more obvious choice. Mm-hmm to go to but I understand why obviously he was apologizing to Herman you know who tried to help with a cigar chat and so he returned the favor by having a cigar chat with him I get it it just seems like are we never gonna get that friendship because now would be the time if you're gonna give it to us I get the vibe that like it's not awkward between them but they definitely the the only thing that like brought them in the same circle was Matt and Stella like I don't I get the vibe that they wouldn't be friends on their own 
Right, but you would think then if Matt and Stella are both gone, that because they're both missing those two people in their lives, that that would bring them closer together. I'm just saying. I don't know. And I, okay, this this might be like an unpopular take because I know there are people out there who want a silver-eyed friendship, but I get the feeling that like it would just be kind of awkward between them. Um, and that's not saying that there's no chemistry between the actors. I'm not saying that. I'm saying like Sylvie as a character and Kelly as a character, I think it would just be a little like weird. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I, and I'm not saying I need it to be like BFFs or like, you know, that needs to be like, you know, I don't need it to be like all the time, but I mm-hmm. feel like not even having a scene where you acknowledge the fact that like both of their people and like the reason they are like a foursome is like the two, two corners are gone. And it yeah. just feels like the fact that you don't even acknowledge that. Like, I get it. They're never been really friends beyond the two of them. Like, I get it. They're not going to become like BFFs all of a sudden, mm-hmm. but like to not even have the scene where you acknowledge that just feels a little weird, but maybe yeah. that's just me. Maybe yeah. I've read too much like fan fiction where that does exist. And like, maybe, you know, so maybe that is like just me, but I don't know. It just feels a little weird. We really need to do the second fanfic episode over hiatus. I was thinking about maybe we should do it if it's not too soon. Like, obviously we have a week after Thanksgiving before the mid seasons. We could also do it then. We could. It takes prep though. No, I know. But I'm saying we do have a week off there where we could theoretically do it. Because we're not going to have, we'll save it for after the pod. We're not going to have much time otherwise. Right, right, right. So, So. yeah. Um, Yeah, so that's the Stellarides. They better be freaking okay. I know. I I, I think they will. I I don't think they're going to throw us off. Hopefully not. But Right, right. So Um, moving into Lieutenant Pelham which okay you know i think they had a big breakthrough this week so that's good i still don't hate him as much as everybody else does but i don't know i will okay i'll say this before we get into it i don't hate him Mm i i don't and here's the thing i don't i don't even not like not like him after this like my instincts were wrong i don't not like him i just don't want him like i don't like that he's probably gonna it seems like he's coming for Stella's position like if he if Stella was already around and it was just like is Pelham filling in that empty truck spot for Casey I think I'd feel differently about it Mm -hmm. but because it seems like it's Pelham or Stella I feel like my gut is to be like no Pelham can't stay because I want Stella back no and and I'm and and I see a lot of people just saying that that you know it's people are like why are they going to do this to Stella like why isn't she just walking right into the lieutenant position when she gets back well because she needs story too so well yeah no 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 but I feel like in order and you know in terms of like you either kind of have to be almost team Pelham and like not care if he sticks around or whatever or you know Pelham has to back out of the position so that Stella can get it and if I have to pick Pelham or Stella then I'm picking Stella no absolutely like I don't hate him I don't hate him I just it feels like you know Mm-hmm. I don't, I think it's kind of clear he's not going to stick around. So like. I would know. be okay with like making him a regular and like part of the firehouse, as long as like you said, he steps back from the Lieutenant position. Um, if, as yeah. if Stella can be Lieutenant and Pelham can stick around, I'm cool with it. Cool yeah. With and it. I, if that was the kind of impression that I got that they could potentially go there, then I would have no problem with Pelham either. Like after this episode, I don't, don't really have a problem with Pelham as a character I have a problem with Pelham because 
it seems like it's either him as the lieutenant or Stella as the lieutenant. And well, I obviously would rather have Stella as the lieutenant. So mm-hmm. I'm getting the vibe that like they're kind of feeling Pelham out. Like Pelham and Brett Dalton both. I think they're kind of feeling him out. They're trying to see what like the reaction's gonna be, like how he vibes with everybody. And I think from there they're gonna determine which way he goes. I'm just getting that vibe that like, is he gonna stick around like Stella? Or is he gonna be like just do an arc and then go? Okay, I, we're just going to go ahead and a- I'm going to ask you this question, mm-hmm. even though it kind of ruins the rest of what we're about to talk about. But anyway, I mean, you're you not listening if you that- haven't seen the episodes, right? No, I know. But do you think that Pelham, if it means, you know, obviously Pelham's career had kind of been ruined for the last few years. He's been a floater, you know, hadn't really had a permanent home. Do you think that Pelham would be willing to take a step back and be like ride on truck not as the lieutenant, but like ride on truck if it meant that he could stay at 51 because he does feel like he's found a place that he can fit in? Or do you think that being a lieutenant is important to him? And so if and if that means he can't stay at 51, he'd rather be a lieutenant. That's a great question. And I I, I think after after having seen this week's episode, I think he would I think he would be willing to take a step back. I I do too. Um and again, if that's where they wanted to go with it and Brett Dalton does stick around, again, after this week's episode, I don't necessarily have a problem with Pelham and I'm not as worried about Pelham. I just, again, that Le- Stella deserves to be the truck lieutenant on 81 mm-hmm. and like, that's what I want. And so if that means Pelham has to go, then bye-bye Pelham. <laughs> but right. like, if Pelham also was willing to take a step back and just be the fourth person on truck, then I'm okay with that too. I guess, I guess what I'm saying is I kind of want to have my cake and eat it too. I'd like for him to stick around, but I want Stella to be lieutenant. I want both. Yeah. Yeah. So. We'll see what they choose to give us. We'll see. Cake yeah, we'll or, see. you know. Yeah. <laughs> Cake or death. That, oh, you probably don't yeah. know that that reference. Um, I don't. Yeah, no. Just comedian from like a bajillion years ago. Uh, okay, so Severide goes to talk to Pelham and Pelham's like, turns out I might be here for like a long while. And he says the lieutenant that Bowden wanted got involved in some sort of side project. That Doesn't is, know who he's talking about yeah. or talking to. That is clearly. his fiance, sir. You put some respect on her name. Okay. Her name is Stella Kid. Stella. Get it, learn it. Fucking kid. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Stella fucking kid. Uh, so Herman and Mouch go to Bowden about Pelham and they're like, listen, he's only had temporary assignments the past two years. Like, what are we doing? Bowden has requested his records so that he can fully vet him. And it's interesting to me how Herman and Mouch are going to him and they're like, hello, there are problems. And Bowden's like, I'm not listening to you. I'm going to do my own research. Interesting. Well, I don't even think it's necessarily that like he's not listening to them. I think he's already like, I'm already on it. Yeah. Like, I think Bowden has already clearly realized that like something doesn't sound, you know, it sounds almost too good to be true. So Mm -hmm. like what's really, you know, yeah, the hold up here. Yeah, absolutely. So somebody from HQ comes by to drop off the file of like Pelham's record and everything. Bowden requests to see him in his office. And apparently he had the longest suspension in CFD history. And the minute he said that, I was like, fuck, what did he do? Like, and of course, then he doesn't elaborate to Bowden on like why. And yeah. I can't bring you on full time without some kind of an explanation. I understand. You have nothing to say on the subject. Not on that subject. No. 
I'll say this, Chief. I think I fit in in 51. I'm a great firefighter, a commanding leader. I am loyal, tough, honest, and I'll lay it all on the line for the men and women I work with, which is what I see here. Look, I've been a floater in a lot of houses, and I haven't fought to be part of any of them. But I will fight my ass off and do whatever it takes to be a part of this one. Whatever it takes, except tell me what happened to Whiskey Point. That's right. I have so many questions after this. Okay, like, A, what did he do? B, what is Whiskey Point? Where is it? What happens? Like, I think Whiskey Point is that call. Remember how last week there was that call where Match is like, where do I know you from? And then he was like, oh, that call that was on the news or whatever. I think that call is Whiskey Point. So that's okay. So that must be how they refer I to calls. I think it's just, I think it's just, well, I think it maybe is probably the name of a place or something, mm-hmm. but they're like, tell me what happened at Whiskey Point. Like, you know, that, that being that like a fire or something happened there and, you know. Yeah. yeah. So I don't think it's like some secret, like Alpha Bravo code or something mm-hmm. like that. I think it's just, that was the name of the place where this call went down. And so, you know, yeah. 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 So Mouch works his union contacts and he finds out that Pelham punched his superior officer in the face. So let's like, let's just kind of, well, A, it happened on PD, what, two or three weeks ago. Hey, um, <laughs> but that would be like if Casey punched Bowden. Yeah. Okay. And not only that, but nobody knows why. Pelham punched this guy in the face Mm -hmm. and then a few weeks later that superior officer just up and retired out of the blue yep yep I did like Herman being dramatic here and he's like Pelham punched that guy right out of the CFD like it was Mouch but yeah oh was it Mouch yeah I just I just imagine like some superhero thing where he punches him and it's like (laughs) K.O. yeah 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 so Bowden goes to this officer's house and asks him about the incident. And so Pelham accused him of pocketing jewelry that they came across during a call. But the guy admits to it. He's like, yeah, I did. Like, that happened. And Bowden's when he's like, like, I finally thought after two years, you know, I kind of figured this day would never come, that someone was going to come after me. And Bowden's mm-hmm. like, yeah, I'm not here for you. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm not, I'm not here for you. I'm here to just like vet Pelham. And he's like, oh. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah so uh pelham gave the guy an out and that's why he retired like right away yeah. so the explanation that he says he's like jason pelham is about the most stand-up guy you're gonna meet in the cfd or anywhere else for that matter okay so he's good all right cool i don't know yeah. so pelham goes to see Bowden when he gets back and he says that it should be his last shift at 51 he's like i don't think i fit in i don't want to create unnecessary conflict Bowden asks like why he did what he did and Pelham just says he's like I didn't want to ruin the guy's life after his wife left him because if he if he had turned him in like he probably would have left he probably would have lost everything like pension retirement all that stuff and so Bowden just ended and Bowden says don't be so sure that you're not right for 51 like yeah so okay yeah I'm cool with him sticking around I'm cool with it like I said I'm curious to see what happens Mm mm-hmm yeah yeah so 
Well, we got a tweet from a user that goes by Delicate Muse, and they said, where do you think Pelham's storyline will lead and how will Stella possibly be reintroduced? Which we covered a little bit um, earlier, but. But I guess how, in terms of the how, how do you think Stella's possibly, is she just going to show back up and be like, yeah, I'm back, like, lieutenant position, that's mine, right? Like, do you think it's all, like, fine, or do you think there's, like... I don't think she's expecting to walk back into the lieutenant's position. I think she's, I think she's probably going to talk to Bowden about it. Um, She's probably going to want to talk to him, and then he's going to say, like, you left. And so Pelham's here, and for right now, the position is his. Um, Yeah. So, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. We will see. Definitely interesting, for sure. Mm -hmm. Um. Okay, so last up, we got to talk about Violet and Gallo. Violet, the MVP of this episode. It's so good. So good. Hanako Greensmith. I mean, MVP. Yeah. Yes. MVP. Okay. So the episode kicks off, and the millennials are trying to get Sylvie to sample their winter fruit beer at like 8 a.m. <laughs> and she's like, and they're also on shift. So she's yeah. like, yeah, no. But they're like begging her. They're like, you know, Kara's coming to get samples. Like, we got to know, you know, what you think. And so, of course, like, she only does it outside the firehouse. She's like, well, I guess if I'm technically outside the firehouse, right? Like, that's just such a Sylvie thing, too. It's so um, Sylvie. And then when she, like, when she sees Pelham and she immediately hides the bottle, so Sylvie. Well, and the fact that Gallo also, too, is the one that suggested it is, yeah. like, also so Gallo. Uh-huh. It's just, yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, so... Pelham tells Gallo as they get their first call of the day, Pelham, because Gallo obviously is still not in great place with Pelham at this point. Right. And so Pelham is like, hey, I want you on my hip today. Like, don't make a move without my say-so. And Gallo's like, oh, great. Um, and it's just like, this is just going to go so well. So well. If, if he had if he had done what he had said, if Pelham had literally said, like, stay on my hip, I want you to, like, shadow me because we've got to get to know each other, things would have gone fine. He didn't have Gallo on his hip. He just benched him. Yeah, so basically when they get there, Pelham's like, actually, I want you to stay on the ground, like, you know, be here if we need you. And Gallo's, like, pissed at this point. Gallo's mm-hmm. like, really? Really? Yeah. So then we, of course, have Violet on the other side of this call. And there's a guy who is trying to video call or video the whole thing. And <laughs> she goes postal on him. And she just basically ends it with like, ask like a human. And it's just like, yes, Violet. Yes. Love She's her. fantastic this episode. Love her. So they get back from their call and Ritter and Brett do a little intervention on Violet in the bathroom which is hysterical like the fact that they just kind of creep up on her in the mirror and she like comes back from washing her face and like looks up and sees them so good I'm also really loving that Brett is fitting right in with the millennials like she's fitting right in it's seamless yes it's so good Mm -hmm. it's so good like she doesn't have Stella she doesn't have Casey obviously Violet is her next like person yeah so of course she's going to be spending more time with Ritter and Gallo because like obviously it's perfect yeah and so they're just like listen like you need to have an honest conversation with Gallo like tell him how you feel instead of bottling up inside so Gallo finds Violet because he needs her opinion on some fire goat logos that Cara designed and Violet takes this as her chance to do just that take Ritter and Brett's advice and so at first Gallo and Violet get like close as they're looking at the designs and they have this like 
almost kiss mm-hmm. but like they pull back and but Cal's like oh no 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 whatever you know I'm sorry and that's when Violet chooses to come clean you know she's like listen you know um you know there's that thing between us always has been and I ignore it or I try to but then she's like but then there's this pain in my side and that means something right and Cal is <laughs> like do you mean like a pain in your heart and they're just like what 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 okay. like yeah and then Gal is like, I'm kind of seeing Kara. And Violet's like, okay, I'm just going to walk away now. Forget I said anything. This is all awkward. Um, I just, yeah, these two awkward idiots. These two hit like next level cuteness in this episode. Like they were already cute, but now they're just like supremely, like super sickeningly sweet cute. I mean, I've always, like, literally from the moment they started bickering in season eight, I was like, yes, the, them, that, that is what I want. And, like, all ever since Violet has joined the, you know, 51 permanently, and then now really kind of gotten jealous of Gal, it just, it works so well. Perfect. It's just, it's so good. Mm -hmm. Um, So, Brett and Ritter are trying to cheer Violet up, you know, about the fact that it, that conversation did not go so well and Bowden comes and finds her. And apparently the cell phone guy from earlier has filed a complaint against her. So chief Hawkins has to come pay a visit. And she's like, this is literally now the worst day of my life. <laughs> so 81 gets called to another call where at a house where nobody's home, but the smoke detector keeps going off and Pelham tells Gallo to wait by the truck, but instead Gallo, goes gallo and scales the gutter and gets in through the second story window blink yeah i mm. i think they're both i listen pelham probably should have said hey can someone go check around the back and like let gallo be involved in the call Mm -hmm. but gallo shouldn't have just like completely defied orders and done what he did either right right so pelham of course is understandably pissed and this kind of leads to Gallo and Pelham just like hashing it all out on the apron floor. You're gonna report me to Bowden. I got us in that house with no damage whatsoever. What's your problem? What you did was defy a direct order. You went freelancing, Gallo. You could have fallen trying to get to that window or found a vicious dog waiting for you inside, or an armed occupant who thought you were breaking in. I can handle myself, Lieutenant. Yeah, yeah. not like you'll ever see it. Treat me like a little kid, right? Stay on my hip, wait by the truck. I'm not a candidate anymore. I've been riding 81 since way before you got here, and I'll ride it way after you're gone. Gallo! Yikes. You can't do that! On the one hand, I was slightly okay with Gallo see like finally kind of I feel like Gallo doesn't stand up for himself sometimes and I feel like on the one hand I was like yes I'm glad Gallo's standing up for himself but this was not the way to do that this is not the way to do it that's like straight up insubordination yeah yeah and like I think you could have had this conversation a lot more calmly yeah yeah. And still stood up for yourself and like been like, no, what you're doing to me is wrong by keeping me on the bench when I'm clearly, you know, can help and contribute. Mm-hmm. Like, I think there was a way to have that conversation without just like yelling at him. Yeah. And, and Pelham makes his case quite convincingly. He's like, there could have been somebody armed inside, which we've seen before. Hello. Um, there could have been a vicious dog. Like something could have fallen on you. We've seen that before, too. Um, just too many yeah. what ifs. And this isn't the first time that he's gone rogue and gotten in trouble for it. 
I think the thing is though, and kind of like what he said last week is that Kate, it's a lot of Gallo. And again, not, I'm not defending Gallo. Cause again, I don't think Gallo handled this the right way, mm-hmm. but I think in Gallo's mind, he's still trying to adjust to the fact that like Casey is not the one here anymore. And Casey's mm-hmm. not the one calling the shots because he is like, yes, Casey would get mad at him. Right. And Casey would chastise him a little bit, you know, sometimes depending on how rogue he went, Mm -hmm. but Casey would also be like, yeah, that was the right call. Or like, yeah, that was a good call. Or like, I'm, you know, by the end of the day of like, you need to learn your lesson, but also acknowledge the fact that Gallo was probably, you know, probably doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. And Pelham's just like, yeah, no. And so I think it's just a lot of Gallo trying to still learn that like, he's not working for Casey anymore. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and so. pelham benching him it's not pelham being like you suck go sit on the sideline it's literally him just saying i've got to get a read on this guy uh, and they're just not like they're not communicating which is like you know nobody on this show communicates effectively yeah. what do you want and that's what you i'm know? saying i think gallo has a fair point about the fact that he fe- i mean clearly he feels like he's being treated like a little kid and i think his feelings are valid mm-hmm. but there's a way to communicate that to pelham that's not yelling at him in front of everyone else at 51 yeah on the middle of the apron floor yep so yep but anyway so hawkins comes by as promised and he starts kind of chastising violet a little bit about the complaint and all of a sudden the pain in her side gets really bad and she kind of falls collapses on the floor and hawkins is like hey your appendix might have burst (laughs) and so i I can't even because that was definitely not on my like season 10 bingo card right like that was not on my bingo card for this year it's not Um, that it's not that it wasn't it was just like last week when she kept saying she's like my side hurts I was like okay well you know she's like she's a paramedic saying this to another paramedic who would probably think like I hope it's not your appendix but I got lulled in by the fact that I was like if Brent and Ritter are so confident that it's just love pains then all right I'll let my guard down it's probably not appendicitis like yeah I think somewhere in my subconscious I was like well someone would have realized that maybe it could have been her appendix and if they're not worried then I'm not really worried yeah but so the fact that it actually was her appendix I was like I kind of didn't see that coming no um so they go and obviously they get her in the ambo and Hawkins is like I'll ride in the back with Violet and you know Brett can drive and Gallo offers to go with them but Hawkins is like no 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 like it's fine but like the worried look when they shut the door, the Ambo's door, like the worried look on Gallo's face. I was like, oh my I God. No, little puppy dog. Yeah. The Ambo scene is hysterical, by the way. It's so good. And the fact that she is obviously in so much pain and all she wants is some like meds to like ease the mm-hmm. pain. And Hawkins is like gonna give her like 25, whatever. And she's like, make it 50. And he's like, okay, 50, coming right up. It's just, it's really funny. And then when when the meds kick in, it's hilarious. And then she like puts her hands on Hawkins' legs. She's like, you're not a bad paramedic. Like, you're not that bad. And then Brett's like, do you feel better? She's like, I'm not talking to you. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and then so Violet ends up, you know, she has her appendix taken out, whatever. She wakes up and she finds Chief Hawkins like still sitting by her bed and she's still like so drugged out of it from the anesthesia that she calls him what hawkers chief hawkers or something like that she like messes up his name and she like doesn't really know what she's saying um she's like why are you why are you still here Mm -hmm. and he's just like i just want to check on you like make sure you're okay and then she again still in her like kind of semi-drugged out state she's like "I, i need some bubbly water 
lo and behold, as we find out later, he gets through the bubbly water. He does. He does. Okay. So this scene was kind of, I think this was a turning point for some people. Did you soften on Chief Hawkins at all? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. And I think once I realized that like he wasn't coming after Brett, that mm-hmm. I was fine with him. It's, yeah. It really was just more like when you read the episode descriptions and you're like, really, are we really going to go here again? Like mm-hmm. someone's going to hit on Brett and ruin her and Casey. This was back then. I was like, I don't need that. Like, mm-hmm. mm. but Hawkins and Violet, again, hardcore Gallo and Violet shipper over here. That is my like end game. I'm all in on the Violet and Gallo. Mm-hmm. But if, if we have to get Hawkins and Violet in order to get Gallo to realize his feelings then I'm not I'm here for I like I won't complain about that at all yeah I'm with you like exactly that if if, if, as long as Hawkins and Violet are a stepping stone to Gallo and Violet fine well and I know I saw some people saying on the internet like how can you know they're not again they're not for it because Hawkins is technically would be like her superior right Mm -hmm. like that is her chief Mm -hmm. I don't really think it's that serious like I, listen I, it's not like we're trying to set them up for like an end game ship or you know they're not you know whatever I think if they do anything it's going to be so that you know it's going to be like her Granger right like it's going to be the person who gets Gallo then to realize like oh fuck like mm-hmm. that's who I'm into although I think he's already kind of starting to see that a little bit yeah but I think it's just I think it would just push Gallo towards anything I don't think it's there you know so I don't think it's a big deal that he's the chief you know paramedic you know and Violet then technically works under him. I don't. Yeah, think no, it really it doesn't bother me. And there was some talk in our Patreon group. People were saying that like you know it was they were a little uncomfortable that like Hawkins kind of stayed stuck around and like just kind of inserted himself. And but I was okay with it. I was just kind of like, all right, yeah, like, like I don't, I thought that was like cute. Like I yeah. was like, oh, like here's like I didn't you know because at first you know other paramedic chiefs that we've like slightly known a little bit like they've just seemed like harsh and cruel and like they don't care and like mm-hmm. it's clear like he cares right like. He's not a bad guy, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I don't think it's a big deal. I, I am was... curious to see if they actually go there, though. Yeah, or if they're just, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know if they'll actually go there, but I, I kind of hope they do, even if it just is to push Gallo further. Mm-hmm. I thought it was so. so cute in the Ambo when, like, she finally looks at him and she just goes, "Am I gonna survive?" And he's <laughs> like, "Yeah, yeah, I think you're going to. Like, I think you're gonna be." Yeah, fine. like. I thought, like I said, I thought that worked. I thought I really enjoyed that. I didn't think that was where they were going, but I, I'm not going to complain if that's where they are going. So just, um, we are a Hanako Greensmith stan account. Yes. For Anna Violet Mikami stan account. Oh, hundred yes. percent. Yes. Yeah. So anyway, all of 51 later on gets called to this house fire. And of course there's a little girl inside. So every, as soon as we hear that, we're like, oh crap. Here we, like, Gala, we're like, we know what's going to happen. But, 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 Gallo has, like, little growth moment here. He actually, before he can go rogue and, like, just go after the girl, he actually tells Pelham, he's like, Lieutenant, there's something I need to tell you. You know, like, he's like, house fires with children, like, kind of a heavy thing for me. That's all he says. But still, progress. Yeah. Progress. Progress. And, of course, he ends up saving the little girl in the end gallo so he finally wasn't sidelined he you know got to do what he wanted you know the way he wanted to do it and he knew where to find her too under the bed obviously and the minute that gallo and pelham started working together during the call i was like this is the best thing ever 
Like, right. It's like, see what happens when you just communicate. Yeah. And they work really well together. Yeah. So Schiff ends and Pelham leaves and he notices Gala looking at the Otis Memorial. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you know, pretty big of you to admit how, you know, how you get when there's a kid in the fire. And Gala says, you know, Casey taught me to recognize that and work around it. He's like, this guy, Otis, they called him. You know, he worked at 51 before me. I used to get real pissed anytime someone would say I was replacing him, like I wasn't my own person. But here I am doing the same thing to you, comparing you to Casey. And he's like, you know, I'll try not to do that anymore if you're sticking around. Um, so, yeah. An actual honest moment of them communicating and, you know. Which is big for both of them. Yeah, for sure. And Gallo especially, especially the way Gallo has been acting since Casey left. Mm-hmm. Um it finally seems like okay Casey or not that he obviously needs to forget Casey but the fact that like again like I said Casey is not here anymore Casey is not the one that's going to be his mentor right now like he kind of just needs to be able to work with whoever is going to be the next person in charge of him so I also I I love the respect that uh, Gallo carries for Otis like they never knew each other they never worked together but Gallo knows that Otis was a big part of the firehouse and like he knows that he you know he knows the circumstances under which he left and he just he just respects him like he respects Otis's memory which I love and that was always my favorite thing about the way they introduced Gallo right Mm -hmm. because like as soon as they bring Gallo in in 802 they're like Gallo says that as much Mm -hmm. like in that in Bowden's office to Bowden and Casey and Severide and he's like listen you know I know, you know, the way what happens. And he was like, I would never try to replace him. But, you know, and I respect that. And yeah, I think that was what at least I remember us talking like that was at least what made me feel so okay with Gallo coming in, especially Mm -hmm. after such a heavy time. um, Was that the fact that he was like, listen, like, I would never try to replace Otis, but you know, I'll try to be me the best I can. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so we get this end scene. And at first, it's Brit. Brett and Ritter visiting Violet in the hospital and eventually Gallo shows up. And of course, Violet is so pissed at Brett and Ritter. She is so pissed at them. Um, I haven't forgiven and, you yet. <laughs> yeah. And so she mentions though, something about the fact that now she has this bubbly water and Brett's like, yeah, you know, Hawkins was here. Like he insisted on making sure Violet was okay. And Gallo, like you can see, Gallo's like getting slightly jealous already. Just at the fact that like Hawkins was sitting by her bedside. Um but Brett and Ritter like quickly reeve and then like Gallo takes a seat next to her bed and they have this little, you know, honest conversation. I'm sorry about how I acted in the laundry room, how I kind of freaked out. It's nothing. No, no, it's a, uh, it's something. I've been, I've been having a harder time than I realized with Casey leaving. Pelham sure felt it. Uh, I have a tendency to go a little dark when the people I care about disappear. And that triggers this whole routine where I keep a certain, you know, uh, distance from the people I care about the most. is really easy to be around, but that's because she's not in that category. But you, Violet, you you weren't wrong when you said. But it, of course, ends with Violet snoring. So he doesn't finish his thought. But like, really, 
we're get, like literally he was about to say you know i don't know if he was admit his feelings or what he was gonna say but we're getting some cusp of something and then of course violet has to like fall asleep I'm like really it's really? so cute it's so cute i know i love them oh my goodness them. oh it's so cute just everything about that is perfect it's just well and I never really think about like I mean obviously Gallo got deep there for a second right like the fact that like he's having a hard time with Casey leaving and you know he tends to I guess go dark because he's obviously had a dark past when Mm -hmm. people he cares about disappears and so like Kara has been a distraction from the Casey situation for that Mm -hmm. and like but in Violet where you know he doesn't say this but obviously like he does say that you know she's not in that category that car is not in the category of people he cares about and but like if violet you know was you know violet basically is and i mm, i just i love them so yeah much. i i think where we're going with this I, I think the hawkins and violet thing it's like we're gonna explore it and and gallo's just gonna like respectfully keep his distance and like not say anything or not get involved it's his it's it, hawkins is gonna be violet's granger yeah and i'm okay with that yeah Mm-hmm. for sure um oh man but it's so good i just i love them it's so good love them i love them okay so we did of course get some listener thoughts about this megan r said i was totally not expecting violet's appendix to burst i'm so happy that they made progress on her relationship with gallo love that he confided in her about how he was feeling but if they do something with her and hawkins i'm not going to be happy i mean if they do something it's going to be temporary Right. Again, this is not Violet and Hawkins endgame for life. Like, that's not what's happening here. It's Violet and Gallo, obviously. Yeah, no, Violet and Gallo are endgame, and I will, like, riot if it turns out. And they've been endgame, I feel like, since the moment Violet was introduced. Oh, God, yeah. Like, you don't have, like, Hanako and Alberto just have such amazing chemistry Mm -hmm. that, like, you can't not have that and not be, like, oh man this is where we're going with this like we have to ride that wave yeah yeah yep allison said gallo was acting like a spoiled brat throwing casey into pelham's face every two seconds was not going over well and i can understand why pelham was sidelining gallo but yelling at pelham on the apparatus floor in front of everybody was too much and too far agreed even if pelham didn't talk to Bowden about it you know he'll hear about it there needs to be some type of consequence for it chain of command is chain of command and must be respected yeah, but Bowden's kind of like I I think Bowden's gonna find out, but I still think he's gonna like he he's very much he's very much a fan of letting them sort it out first and then you unless know, he really has to be involved. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, Jamie said, you know, she had a couple different things. She said, Brett and Ritter in the mirror were like the twins in the shining. Brett was taffy, so that was awesome. <laughs> she was part of the millennials. Yes. Um, she said Jack the Violet is hilarious. I kind of like the flirting, it was cute. Yeah. Um she said Violet had her first complaint. I'm so proud of her. Are you really a member of 51 if you haven't had a complaint filed? True story. True. True. Um, she said Casey definitely would have yelled at Gallo for disobeying an order, but Casey would have never put him in that position. Again, kind of like we already said, you know, Casey, I think, handled Gallo differently, but Gallo has to respect and learn that Casey's not here right now and, mm-hmm. you know, not everyone's going to handle him that same way. Mm-hmm. Um, and she did just kind of end say, I'm so proud of Gallo. He gave Pelham a chance. If Gallo can give him a chance, then we all should. Casey would be so proud of him. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. 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 
Um, Allison G in our patron group said, does anybody else think Chief Hawkins was a little too friendly with Violet? She was on painkillers. Her behavior is totally understandable, but he seemed a little too affectionate. Like there was a little too much longing almost in the way he responded to her. If they're trying to imply some sort of romantic interest, I'm not here for that. It would be totally inappropriate for him as the chief paramedics. Yeah, but I'm I'm okay with it. I don't know. I don't really have a good explanation for it. I don't think there was... Yeah, like, I don't think it's necessarily being too friendly or anything, but, mm-hmm. like, I do think that it's clear that he, you know, it there there's something starting there. I don't know what that looks like, but it is something. But I don't think necessarily he was being too friendly with Violet, you know. What else is he, I mean, like, honestly, what else is he going to do? One of his paramedics goes down yeah. and her appendix is bursting. Like, what else is he going to do? Just be, like, standoffish in a corner? We don't, yeah. I mean, like, what else, like, I no, mm-hmm. like you know what else would the guy do right he cares and that's more than we could say for other paramedic chiefs so Mm -hmm. i'll take it i'll take it too so any other notes on fire no but again this like i said this has been my favorite one um so far in the post 200 era Mm -hmm. but i'm really excited for the mid-season especially well excited i guess being a loose word i guess i'm excited that it's like a hallmarky christmas episode i'm i guess we're getting that winter fest that the millennials have been talking about with the beer and I'm curious to see now where that goes. Um, I'm intrigued. I guess I won't say excited. I'm intrigued. I don't want to like burst your bubble, but like if Derek says it's like a Hallmark Christmas movie, is it like a Hallmark Christmas movie? No, I know, but I, I hope it's, I guess let's put it this way. If it's not a Hallmark Christmas movie, I hope it's not just an episode set at Christmas. I hope it's like, there is some Christmas in the episode, right? Yes. Like, I hope it's like there are some Christmassy holiday elements in the episode and not just like, oh, it's Christmas. Okay, cool. Like, yeah. I hate the mid seasons. They're so stressful. I hate the concept of a mid season finale. Like, can we say this though? At least they're airing the day after your birthday and not on your birth. Like, at least you can still enjoy your birthday and in bliss and not have to be like oh shit like this is gonna ruin my birthday or I know what just happened fuck I'm gonna think about this all on my birthday yeah yeah I I mean yeah okay that's great that it's the day after but like I hate the mid-seasons I hate it hate it it's I'm still burned by that season when Jay got shot that was like the most stressful mid-season finale bad at least we got to see the next episode early that helped we weren't sitting there for like however long um i don't mind mid-seasons i guess because i know there's episodes coming after right Mm -hmm. like you know and relatively soon it's not like the finale where you have like four months in between to just sit there and agonize yeah like these shows come back january 5th and they Mm -hmm. air the mid-seasons on december 8th so it's literally less than a month like yeah it sucks but like it could be worse yeah no it totally could it totally could but you know (sighs) I don't know. I'm, I mean, there's going to, there's going to be a cliffhanger. There always is. Right. I'm just hoping that like nobody's in mortal. Not always, but most of the time, most of the time. Yeah. Not always, but most of the time. Yeah. So just, just keep everybody safe, please, please. please. I guess we know the mid seasons typically aren't as like crazy of cliffhangers for the most part. So yeah, Mm, I guess. Yeah. 
<laughs> then the mid seasons always stress me out. Like I'm just not, I'm not looking for it. I know you're it. very not in on, okay, let's put it this way. Let's hope that because Derek typically writes mid seasons, right? Mm-hmm. That let, let's hope that because this is an episode Derek wrote that maybe we'll hear the word. <gasps> I like your way of thinking. Let's hope that that will be what saves the mid seasons, right? That Derek wrote that episode and we'll get the word. We'll get the word. Yep. Yep. Right, like let's let's hope that's mm-hmm. that's what we're gonna focus on for the next couple of weeks. That maybe we'll get the word finally. Yep. yep. So we'll see. So we'll see. <laughs> All right, it's PD time. Stretch it. Yep. No oh, man. No oh, geez. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's exactly how I put it. Oh boy. Oh shit. <laughs> oh geez. <laughs> oh, stretching it out. Okay. Yep. All right. So um, I still have no fucking clue what happened in this case. The case really doesn't matter. I mean, it matters in the fact that, like, Haley used what happened to her to help prove the case, but it really doesn't matter. Yeah. No, it really doesn't matter. Um, The first note about this, Scott Gold wrote this episode. He wrote the Bob Berzik one from, or Bob Berzik, Bob Ruzik. (laughs) I called him Bob (laughs) Berzik. Um... Yeah, he wrote the Disco Bob episode last season, which I think was one of the best of the season. Uh, So, yeah, it's good. It's good. Okay, so this episode kicks off with Voight going to not even the Ivory Tower. He's he's basically going to see this guy. His name's Walker North. He's at the FBI, like, building. And North is the one who's working on the Roy case, okay? So he's done his work. He knows Roy never left Chicago, okay? Um, And Voight just says, he's like, well, people don't just disappear, and North just says, he's like, I'm going to put together like a precise timeline of everything that happened. I'm going to need to interview every intelligence member. And Voight's just like, yeah, we're an open book. So like anything you need. Okay. Before we get too far into this, it yeah. hit me when I was watching this the other day or rewatching it. Mm-hmm. Listen, I know that COVID is a thing and it can't, we can't do crossovers right now. Right. right but right. they missed the like We've been all wanting it for a while, right? For FBI to come yes. play in Chicago. Yes. They missed that perfect opportunity. I mean, I get it. COVID, you know, we can't even get our own typical one Chicago crossover, let alone FBI coming from New York to play in Chicago. Like, I get mm-hmm. why it didn't happen. Yeah. But damn, they missed, like, the opportunity right here, right now. And to have it be an actual crossover that matters, right? Not just like, oh, hey, here's some random case nobody cares about. Let's team up and fight the best. Like, this actually matters and would make a lot of sense. So I wish it had happened. I get, again, why it didn't happen, but I wish it would have happened. I would pay such good money to see the kids from FBI, like, investigate Void. Every single character on FBI would hate him. Well, and okay, so you have the thing, right? Obviously, we were supposed to get more of Haley on FBI, but it Mm -hmm. didn't happen because of COVID. But we at least already have the OA-Haley relationship. So if OA could have been like, Haley, talk to me. Like, I kind of think I know you. Like, what's going on? Like, right? Oh, my (laughs) God. Wouldn't that that have been amazing? (laughs) It would have been amazing. I And now, I I didn't know I wanted it until just this moment. But if we make it to the Upstead wedding, I kind of need OA to be there. Oh my God, that would be amazing. I they actually have that. like, I kind of almost can't picture them having like a legit wedding. That just seems a little out of character for them. But if it were to happen, you know, I just feel like, again, we've always talked about sometimes with those SVU crossovers, like I felt like they didn't actually matter because they didn't actually matter case wise mm-hmm. or anything. It's just like, oh, 
SVU's coming to solve this random case that nobody cares about. Okay, whatever. But this, like, this would be an actual crossover that matters to the plot of the story and moves it forward. Like, it would have been so good. It so good. So, so, so good. Oh my God. Yeah. <gasps> yeah. Would have been amazing. Just would've needed to amazing. throw that out there. Just yeah. needed to throw that out there. Someone I write need that you fanfic, to though. watch I International. I will watch the next episode tonight. I promise. You promise? Yes. As soon as we are done recording i will watch the next episode i'm not saying i'm gonna watch all five tonight i'm not making that promise but i'll watch episode two tonight oh my gosh okay did you like the pilot i thought it was fine i don't think if the relationship that you keep teasing me about via text is the relationship i think it is then i don't think i'm gonna like it as much as you think i am but forrester and kellett i mean which one was kellett is that the one that he was like in his bed at the end of the pilot yeah yeah. Okay, well, then I don't know if I'm going to like it that much. No, they get better. They get better. Um, I didn't like her that much. Let's put it that way. It, it, it gets so much better. It gets so much better. Um, I, you know how when I like when I watch things every year, I keep a list of like everything I binge watch. Well, I also keep a list. list. Yeah. I also keep a list of like my top five like ships of the year that like from I things I watch. I keep track of all of my ships from the yeah. year. And that way I can see. Yeah. But yes, yeah. same. Yeah, so um, I've got my, I've got the top five so far, and and I just added Forrester and Kellett to the list. Um, Interesting. Okay. Yeah. No, I love them. I love them. Um, Interesting. Like. Okay. If you thought Adam was a lovesick puppy, you have not met Scott Forrester yet. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. So. we'll see. Okay. Yep. yep. I will watch episode two. I'm not making promises on any more, but no, I will but watch, watch episode two. two. That that one's actually really good too okay yeah yeah okay uh-huh um okay so intelligence catches a case that let's be real like we just don't really care about um there was there, uh, there's, there's basically a dad who has been stabbed by a gangbanger and just asks if like they'll take care of his girls so Haley finds one of the girls in the closet her name's candace she's scared for her life the other daughter went to school early so she wasn't home um i mean i don't think we really need to get into the details of the case do we I mean, it depends on how far you want to get it. You know, it doesn't totally matter. I think it's just mostly because I don't know what the hell happened. Um, so Kevin's like, yeah, there's no sign of forced entry. Maybe the offender knew the dad. Birds of Water starts dizzing, or d- diving, d- digging, diving. I was going to say like a bunch of different things at once there. They start digging into the case and Voight is like, okay, well, Upstead, meet me two blocks east in like five minutes. Not ominous at all. Um, okay, so... Voight is like Voight kind of relays this and he's like listen I talked to the FBI and Jay is just like god damn it like damn it so Voight's like you told us you weren't going to do anything more than that was Jay Jay sorry yeah that's what I meant Jay's like you told us you weren't going to do anything more than put his picture in the post office like we're talking about our careers disbanding the unit prison you know all the bad things that typically come with murdering somebody and Voight's just like look if we stick together and he doesn't get any further than that and Jay's just like nope like yeah that was the best part honestly the whole thing oh it's so good it's so good so back in the bullpen agent north stops by to start going through roy's files and interviewing intelligence and he has this moment with kim where he's just like you know thank you for your sacrifice you know blah 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 and north's just like i'm not stopping until i find walton and kim just says she's like please don't i want to pitch in anything you need like i'm here to help that's cool which 
And it circles back to the same thing. Why has nobody told Kim yet? I know. I know. I really thought when this first happened and it seemed like, and Jay found out, I really thought Jay wasn't going to let it go on this long before telling Kim. You know what? I did not think we were going to get into this point. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? I think it probably is though. I think they've probably all agreed as a whole to protect her at this point. Don't bring her in on it. Especially now with Michaela, they're like, don't keep her, keep her safe. If she doesn't know anything, she's fine. No, but the whole thing is that Kim, I mean, in the beginning, right? I mean, we haven't gotten like a great update since then, but the whole Mm -hmm. thing in the beginning was that Kim wasn't sleeping. Kim was so worried that like Roy was still out there and going to come find her. So how can you let her think that Roy is still out there and not feel safe and not feel protected when you know the fact that he's dead? It's, I I think it's the struggle between, because if she has closure, then she's in on it, right? Right. And I get, and I get that too. And I get that that's why they haven't told her, but it's also like, really, you're going to let Kim out here thinking, you know, not sleeping, just let her continuously suffer from her PTSD and let that be an open wound that she can't let heal until, you know, she knows that for sure. And like, you're just going to let that sit there and like be open. And she's like, really? Really? I, I I also think that if, if if they have to choose between like her physical safety and her mental safety, they'd rather know that like her physical form is completely safe and let her anguish over it than bring her in and pretty much make her an accomplice. Like I said, I get it, right? Like I get why they're not telling her. I just, I don't know. I know. I know. They're protecting her, which it sucks to like think about it that way, but they are. Like they're hurting her, but they're also protecting her. Yeah, but how is she going to see it, right? I do think you she's, she's going to be okay with it. Like once it once it ever comes clean, because we all know that that's going to be a storyline at some point, right? Like Adam, Kim, and Kevin are going to find out what I, happens. I think she's going to be okay. I think she's going to understand. I don't know. I, don't I, th- know. I, think I she, wouldn't. I mean, yeah, I would, she, I guess, if I were her, but I would still be mad. If she didn't have Michaela, I think she'd be pissed right off the bat. I think now that she has Michaela, when they come clean, she's going to be like, no, I understand. Like, you did it to protect me and to protect Michaela. But here's the thing. I don't think, I don't think that's why they're really doing it, right? I think they're, A, doing it more to protect their asses, right? Like, to not let anyone else in. I don't think Boyd even really wanted to let Jay in on it, but Haley wasn't going to, you know... And Haley didn't either, but it kind of got to the point where Jay was figuring it out. So mm-hmm. Boyd was like, fine, I'll let you in on it, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just, I, I, like I said, I understand why they're not telling Kim. I really do. But I don't think it's because they're trying to protect her. I really don't. Oh, okay. Yeah. You think of it's more, it's more of a cover your ass kind of I move. think it's more of a, the, them saving themselves. And I just don't see it as them protecting Kim because if they really wanted to protect Kim and they really cared about Kim, they would find some way to reassure her that she's mm-hmm. okay and safe. Even if it wasn't saying, hey, Roy's dead, they would find some way to reassure her that she is safe and that she isn't gonna, you know, he's not out there without actually bringing her in on it. I think Voight and Haley are for sure in it for like the cover your ass part of it. I think Jay is kind of torn between the two. I don't know. I I don't know. Sometimes the way this show sets up their episodes, it really makes me have a hard time believing. Like deep down in my heart, because I love the intelligence fam, minus Mm -hmm. Voight aside, I like to believe they're all friends. 
right? But sometimes the way this show is set up, it really makes me feel like it's like you have Berzic Water being like BFFs over here mm-hmm. and they're all their different iterations. And then you have Upstead and then there's Voight. Like there's that, like yeah. three separate interactions. And so that's why when you say, I think they're doing it to protect Kim, like I don't really think they are because I don't, the way this show sets up sometimes, I wonder if they're really all friends. Yeah. And I don't know if they point. are. I've been thinking about that too. Yeah. Right. Like you clearly have Berzic water, right. And you have Berzic and then you have row water. Like you have all the different, you know, mm-hmm. whatever, mm-hmm. but like, then you have Upstead being Upstead and then you Voight, but like, do they all interconnect beyond intelligence? And I don't know if they do. Yeah. And I, that's, that's something that I've noticed that, they, that they've kind of highlighted this season. And I think they're like, they're kind of reinforcing the divide, how it, it's just how you said it's Berzic water and then it's Upstead. I don't really like well, that. And it's, and it's divide. So it's divided that way too. But then obviously you have the divide on like how people fall in policing wise too, right? Because that's a different divide. That divide yeah. is very much Ruzik and Haley and then Jay and Kevin. And then Kim is somewhere in the gray area, leaning more towards Kevin and Jay, but yeah. I think somewhere in a gray area. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's interesting how the divides are different, but they don't, you know, you would think there'd be more cross, but there's not. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, that, that is bugging me a little bit how it just seems to be a divide between the, the, the two groups. Like, no, they're a unit. Yeah. They're a family. That's why we love them is because they're one big. That's why we unit. love them. And I, like I said, in my heart, I like to think that it's different, but <laughs> the way the show makes it seem, that's why I have a hard time believing that they do it for Kim's benefit. I don't think they're doing it for Kim's benefit at all. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Um, so they keep digging into the dad on this case. He owns some nightclubs. Somebody filed a civil case against his head of security. Uh, they basically, they, they get this guy who's like the head of security and he admits that he goes to the house once a week to drop off cash. They use the sales that they make on the street to wash money from the clubs, to skimp on taxes. Washing money is pretty much just fancy for, they, they get it from sources that would not usually be legitimate. And then they like run them through stuff to make it look legitimate that's like yeah okay so upstead goes to visit the two daughters at the hospital they don't really know anything and while they're talking to, while they're talking to the daughters they get the news that their dad is dead this doctor could not have put it any more cold than the way she did she was like she like walked in and was like sorry to interrupt your dad's dead bye like yeah she sucks i'm glad she's not part of med full-time right right oh she man. sucks yeah. So Voight has Platt meet him at an outside location with info about what Agent North knows. And he, Agent North pulled everything on intelligence weeks ago. And Hank just says, he's like, I got to know what he knows. Like, got to know what he knows. So North starts interviewing intelligence one by one. And this, like, this was telling, if you ask me. So they start off the very first scene of this because they do it pretty similar to the way they did that one shot a couple of episodes back when like they're all getting counseled and it's like the one take and you see like, you know, Patty kind of maneuvers in and then like Jesse's trying to help him get out from under the camera, like all that stuff. This is pretty similar. But the very first thing you see is Kim and Kim just goes, I should be dead. Like, oh, wow. Okay. I'm just going to start there. But you hear Atwater and Ruzik's side of it and Kevin just says, he's like, we would have run through a wall to find her that day. Like- yeah, which they would have. They absolutely well, at first would've. he says, he says, at first, which I think is really telling, he says, we're not used to not getting our man around here. Mm-hmm. Which I'm like, yeah, I mean, I get it, right? Like, usually at the end of every episode, we know who the guy is or, you know, yada, yada, yada. They find the guy. And I 
you know, I think Voight doesn't really rest until they find the guy. Yeah. So I think, yeah, yeah I just thought that part was really telling too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then they cut to Ruzik and all Ruzik says, he's like, that was a tough day. Um, and I saw some, I saw some tweets online that were like, they basically put that shot of him next to like when Kim lost the baby and like he had his head down, like any, any other time Kim has been hurt and Adam's just like, like he's got his head down, just taking the head. I was like, Oh, my feelings. God. Yeah. That hurts. Like, why am I crying right now? Like- yeah. Yeah. It is raining from my face. Um, yeah. So Brenda, take over for a second. Cause there were some tweets that went back and forth that I think we were talking about in the group chat this week. And I want to pull those back up again. So yeah, take over for a second. Okay. So basically North is like, you know, well, situations like that can feel so desperate. You know, sometimes it's tempting for cops to take things in their own hands. And then he and Haley start having a conversation and North mentions to Haley that, you know, he can recreate everyone's movements that night except for her. And so he asked her about Irwin, but of course, like Voight interrupts in the middle and he's like, I need to borrow her for the case. Like we just had a break. Ooh, I found it. Of course. Sorry. Okay. Um, Okay. Yeah. So basically people took the pictures of like, there were some parallels that they found. So there was this one when, like, when Adam just says that was a tough day, they like looped it, but they like mirrored it with the shot of him in the finale when Upton's like, you have to go be with Michaela. And he's like, got his head down. That's great. But then there was one that they paralleled with like, um, Kim's like gripping the desk with her fingertips, which is very similar to like when she was gripping the concrete, that was a killer. And then this other oh, one, of Kevin, I didn't see that one. Damn. That one kills me. Yeah. That one hurts. Yeah. Yeah. That um, this is the one with Kim. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I yeah. Never. The, the Kevin one is him just saying we would have run through a wall. And then it's like right next to the picture of him holding her in the back, in the backseat of the car, just being like, we got you. Yeah. And then that just sent us all down a spiral. Um, yeah. 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 So anyway, Voight, like I said, Voight basically interrupts Haley and North because obviously they you know, just because, but like they do end up getting somewhere with the case. So basically security guys alibi checks out, but they do find pod footage that shows a young Hispanic male at the house, like 20 minutes before the 911 call. And this guy is, his name's Rodrigo. He looks to be Candace's boyfriend. So Voight and Upton question him and he tells him that he, they didn't want him to come pick him up or want him to come pick them up for school that day, but he showed up anyway. And Darlene told him he couldn't come in the house. So Upstead goes to talk to the girls again, and obviously at this point they know they're lying. And so Haley asks Darlene to show her her arms, and she's just like, no, 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 like it's from cutting, but Haley's like, I don't believe that. So basically they come up with this plan, and they agree to separate them in different holding cells for the night and see like who will talk once they're not in the same room together. So then Voight and Platt go sit on Carmela Quintana's house. And if you don't remember who Carmela is, Carmela is the girl that Erwin was holding capture um, in the, I guess that would have been the premiere. And that, you know, when Upton goes to confront Erwin again. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. She's so, the witness. Yeah. The one witness. Mm-hmm to Upton and Irwin's conversation um so you know they just say you know Walker you know Platt's like you know Walker North is ambitious as hell like he wants to run the Chicago office someday and according to Platt North asked for this case he wasn't assigned to it Mm -hmm. so Platt goes undercover kind of and goes and talks to Carmela who has apparently already talked to North and she says that you know she told them you know she told North that when Irwin took her hostage she said that CPD murdered Roy Walton and 
when Upton came in the room, she promised she would tell the world what happened. And then obviously, you know, intelligence killed Erwin, you know. So, and Carmela has told North all of this. So mm-hmm. Voight's like, oh, fuck, here we go. So Voight goes out to the car and ends up finding, like, af- back at the district, obviously, and finds a tracker and, like, FBI bugs in it. And so Jay comes outside and Jay and Voight have this confrontation of sorts. We are in this now. Yeah, exactly. We're in this. So you need to tell me what the feds actually have. Everything. All loose ends. Okay, everything they have is circumstantial and they're missing one thing, a body. They can't even say Roy Walden is dead. Oh, they're sure as hell gonna try. You're damn right. And they are coming after Haley. So we need to hold the line. Because one of us cracks, this whole thing comes down. Oh, man. Oh, man. Yeah. 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 Voight's confidence about this whole thing really bothers me. How he's like, the FBI has nothing. They have nothing. How can you be so confident? Well, but then he's like, you know, because Jay's like, well, you need to really tell me what they have. And he's like, everything. He's like, they have everything. But all they have is circumstantial. And it's like, how do you, like, he's so confident in the fact that they're never going to find the body. Well, I mean, joke's on you, Voight, because obviously they do. But he's so confident. And it's just like, really? Really? Yeah. So Jay goes back to the apartment and turns on the shower and he tells Haley basically the gist of what he and Boyd just talked about. Boyd found a tracker on your car. Ten bucks, too. I don't know if the house is booked. You're the FBI's target. They have way more than they are telling us that they do. You're going to be interviewed again under oath. This is all going to be on you. I want to start my marriage with the woman that I love. Like, oh my god, that's what killed me. Right, and then he's the like heart. out of prison. But even more beyond that, he says out of prison. I was like, oh fuck. Yeah, I was like, oh shit. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, that hurt. That whole conversation hurt. And she's like, you know, we're supposed to be together forever. But if you feel what I've done is so terrible, there's no coming back. Forever feels like a really long time. I just, uh, oh my God. That moment, I was like, I was like practically yelling. I'm like, do not end the scene there. Say something, Jay. Like, do not, do not end the scene right there. And they ended up like, damn it. Yeah. Yeah. So like you said the scene ends there. And basically then the next thing we see is Upstead questioning the girls separately. So apparently what we find out is Darlene did not show up for brand pack band practice like she said she did. Um, and they start on this whole thing about claiming their dad is hurt Candace and that Darlene killed him because she was just trying to protect Candace. Uh, but after they both leave their separate interrogation rooms, Haley mentions to Boynton Day that like something about that confession just doesn't feel right. Mm-hmm. So again, Upton has been asked to go back to have another interview with North. 
Um, but she, so she goes in and she doesn't really answer any question he asks her. But then he, of course, transitions to abuse, which obviously brings up some stuff. Men have hurt you. Excuse me? Starting with your own father. What? You know what men do. You've seen it your whole life. You saw what Roy Walton did. You're the one who found those girls, slaughtered like cattle. You got one other woman on your team. You saw what he did to her. He left her to die on a concrete floor. You fight for people who can't fight for themselves. And that's what you did here. Roy Walton's dead. That's what I think. You covered it up. In some ways, I get it. I admire it. But still a crime. You talk now, I will protect you the best that I can. You keep stonewalling me. There's a lot of truth in there, Agent North. But you don't have a case. I bought new BDUs because real cops get dirty and made that promise to Mark Irwin because he had a gun pointed to a civilian's head and that's what he wanted to hear in that moment. That's textbook police work. I hope Roy Walton is dead. If you're right about that, Walton's turning into dirt somewhere and everyone's where they're supposed to be. So since I'm very obviously not under arrest, I'm going back to work now. I'm a great cop. I'm in the middle of working a murder. And you're wasting my goddamn time. This Damn, was Haley. intense. Haley and Upton, y'all. Yeah. First of all, when he started saying, he, when he like started, you know, trying to get into her past and he's like, man, have hurt you starting with your own father. I was like, you are not, you did not just say that. I was I like, know. I can't believe he's going there. And then, you know, she goes off on her whole rant about the fact that, you know, that's textbook police work and yada, 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 and, you know. She's like, I'm going to go back to work now. Like, I'm in the middle of working a murder and you're wasting my goddamn time. I was like, yes, Haley. Yes. Art. Art. Hey, you. It was so good. Do you remember the episode of Grey's Anatomy from like a long time ago when they were doing like their boards or something and Meredith had like the stomach flu from the kid, like one of her kids and like Mm -hmm. in the, yeah. And then the middle of it, she like, she puked and then she was just like, what, you're afraid of some vomit? Like, let's go. And she just got it together and did it. That is what this reminded me of how like, you know, Haley's been like eaten alive by this whole thing. And then she pulled it together and was like, fuck you. Here's my explanation. You're wasting my time. The only thing that would have made that scene better if it had been Voight, not North. Right. Like if she could have, like if she would have been like saying that kind of speech to Voight and not North, that would have been the only thing that made it better. Right. So Upton goes back to the 21st and mentions again to Jay that like something's wrong. And so basically they end up figuring out that Candace is actually the one who pushed Arlene to take the blame for the whole thing. Um, And so she ends up like pretending like she's booking Darlene, but ends up taking her back to their house and like getting Darlene to confess about everything. Um, And it basically turns out that both Darlene and their dad were both terrified of Candace um, because she had been saying that she was going to kill her dad for a while. And, you know, basically Candace is just actually, there is actually something wrong with Candace. And so, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So then we get kind of this like final scene. So basically Upton gets a call from Jay. Upton's already at home. Jay's leaving, you know, 
work. And Jay's like, listen, Candace is booked now. And Upton's like, yeah, that's great. Like, can you come home to me, please, now? And Jay's like, you know, that's all I want. Like, we're going to be okay. I love you. So then Jay gets in his truck and he's going home and he gets pulled over by North, who takes Jay to where they found Roy's body. You know who that is? Of course you do. You're the one who led me here. You're the one who ran Voight's GPS the night Ray Walton disappeared. Damn good police work, which is either tragic or ironic. I'm not sure which. (laughs) I've been searching for the fault lines in this whole thing, trying to find my way in, and it's you. It was always you. Is that right? I'm your weakest link? No. No, it's not weakness. It's decency. It's possible, Jay, that you're too good for this world we operate in. You truly love Haley Upton, don't you? You had to protect her. You had to fall in line. And in the process, you became a full partner in the cover-up of a crime. So here's what's going to happen. I'm going to give you a choice. Option one, I arrest you and Haley. I promise you we'll make the case. Or option two, you help me take down the man I really want. Hank Foyt. Oh, man. (laughs) I have never wanted somebody to choose option two more than I want Jay to do in this moment. Okay. Yes. Obviously at the whole time, we're all just like pick option two, like option two mm-hmm. do. Okay. Now that we've had a couple days to reflect on it. Right. Cause obviously mm-hmm. we were originally going to record Thursday, the day after it's now Sunday. Mm-hmm. Do you think Jay's actually going to take option two? I don't, unfortunately. Um, I really want him to, but we've never seen a situation in nine seasons of Chicago PD where somebody has a member of intelligence has actively tried to take down their boss. We've never seen it. Well, you've had the Rusick situation, but then that's a not as serious, right? Like that was Rusick trying to cover his own ass for a lie. He told like, it's not like Rusick killed anybody or whatever. Like yeah. Rusick tries to take down Voight to save his ass but it like doesn't work and then Voight finds out and Ruzik and Voight and Al end up working together so it's a different situation and Ruzik was never going to take Voight down ever that was never a doubt like no way. right and again it's not like he's trying to cover for a murder or any like mm-hmm. it, it's not actually that bad right like in comparison it's not that bad yeah so it's a different situation um that that's the closest I'll say this that's the closest we've gotten to seeing someone trying to take down Voight um I don't know. My gut wants it to be true, right? Like, my gut wants Jay to be, like, take option two, take option two. Mm-hmm. But, like, I just, I don't think he is. I don't. He's going to he's, he's gonna find an option three. He's going to find some kind of middle ground, right? Yeah. And I don't know what that looks like. But, like, God, I just want someone to take Hank down so bad. I, so bad. he's got to face some consequences at some point. Like, it's just, it's ridiculous that we're nine seasons in and he, he gets away with his shit over and over and over again. It's ridiculous. And I know we say it every week, but I'm just, I'm so sick of his bullshit. 
Yeah. And at some point, though, I wonder, right? Like, I feel like it's hard for us to say this because we do this podcast. And I feel like mm-hmm. as long as the shows are going to be on, we're going to talk about all three shows, right? Right. You know, regardless of who comes and who goes and who leaves. But, like, at some point, if I wasn't doing this podcast, at what point would Hank Voigt not facing consequences get so old to me that I would stop watching? I mean, and I wonder if viewers are, like, I think for me, like, Voight is not what makes the show to me. It's the other five. Yeah, yeah. And so, for that sake, I don't know if I personally would ever stop. But I feel like there are going to be viewers that do stop because they're tired of seeing Voight just keep getting away with shit. Yeah. Yeah. And so, at what point does that change? And he finally doesn't get away with something. Exactly. Exactly. It. It, and I know I said this last week, it is time to test out Jay running the unit. It's time, it's time, it's time. Um, if you saw my tweet from Thursday night where, you know, it was basically the, the the group chat out of context and it was a picture of Jay like photoshopped under Rafiki from Lion King. That's what we were talking about. It is time. Like it's time to test him. It's time to give him a test run. It is, it just is like, He's got to face consequences. He's got to. Like, you can't keep reinforcing this notion that the bad cops are going to get away with it every single time. Like, no. Yeah. No. And the other thing, too, is that I wonder, I mean, if Jay's got to take down Hank, he's not going to tell... I don't know. Okay. I'm thinking, I'm thinking of this too, because like, I think, I think if he gets Kevin on his side, I think Kevin would help him to take Roy down. I think he would. But he's not just going to seek out Kevin just to tell him and bring him in. Like I'm trying to reason through this, like what Jay's going to do. He's going to, he's going to find a third option. I think he's going to go back to Haley, but I think Haley's going to offer some resistance too. I don't think Haley's going to want to take him down. No, Haley. I don't think is going to, here's the thing. I think Jay at this, I think Jay is biggest priority right now is I think he would pick whatever option he knows for sure. Keeps him and Haley like out of it. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think taking Voight down right this second is necessarily his top priority. I think his top priority would be like, okay, save mine and Haley's jobs, right? Mm-hmm. Save me and Haley from not even just save our jobs, but just save us from not going to jail. Yeah. Um, then I think obviously the priority would be Voight. Your, you know, second would be like, okay, if I can also then take Voight down with me, cool. Mm-hmm. But like I said, I don't think that's necessarily his like top, top priority at this point, but yeah, does he bring in someone else? Like, if he knows for sure that he and Haley are safe, and then he's like, okay, well, do I take Voight down or do I not take Voight down? Does he bring in someone else from intelligence to help him accomplish that? I don't know. I don't think he can do it by himself. I don't know if he can do it by himself, but I don't know if he also then wants to bring someone else into that either. I also don't think, I don't think he has it in him to try and take down his boss. That It's like, it's it's I think it's too it's too big of a mountain it's too big I don't think he okay. can do it but here's the thing right so we obviously both love Jay Halstead Jay's I think you know been our ride or die since the beginning I have this podcast but I think too since the beginning of the show <laughs> so does it make you see does it make you think of Jay differently if he does take down Voight versus if he doesn't like if he chooses not to take down Voight and he has the chance do we look at Jay differently or do we still love Jay I think I still love Jay I I will still love Jay because I respect the power dynamic it's the it's the power dynamic Voight knows people in high places Voight is still technically his boss um and there's the politics to move around within the CPD okay so 
I, I, I would respect him and I would still love him. I, I think if Jay has the chance and doesn't take it, it's because it's probably not worth the risk to he and Haley's like safety. Um, but then at some point too, right? Like Jay is clearly fed up with Voight shit, right? Oh, yeah. Like Voight, yeah, like he is done with Voight. He's like, you know, I don't know how I trust you, yada, yada, yada. But like, then how does Jay keep working in intelligence? After all this shit goes down, whether or not he takes down Void or not, whether or not Void, you know, goes to jail, if Void's still around in intelligence, whatever the situation is, like, if Void is still around, how can Jay still work for the man? Because after all of this shit, I, like, I get it, right? Like, I get where he would be coming from, but I don't think he should, you know, I don't know how he can still work for him. I think that's a great question. And I think, and we touched on that a little bit last week, didn't we? With like, what keeps him around? Like, why doesn't he just go find a new job? I think it's, I don't think it's so much that he wants to protect the unit as much as he wants to protect Haley. And Haley would stay. Haley wouldn't leave the unit. Like Haley's allegiance to Voight is scary. It's alarming. Yeah. Yeah. I, it may honestly be worse than Aaron's at this point, which says a lot because Aaron hit a body for Jay. I mean, Aaron, you know, Voight raised Aaron. Yeah. And Voight was like Aaron's dad. And, you know, to say that I think Haley's might be worse than Aaron's is, you know, it's, Aaron at least yeah. got herself out. Like mm-hmm. Aaron, you know, at least, I mean, we may not have liked the fact that she hightailed it off to New York and went to join the FBI, but she did, you know, she got out and, you know, she yeah, saved and herself. They they haven't really like. Okay, so we got we got that scene like last week or two weeks ago where Haley was like, "I make my own choices." Like, I made my own choice that night. Whatever, blah blah blah. Like, but they're not. Her actions aren't backing up her words, right? Only because like we're not seeing. We're not. We saw. Her, we saw that she had the panic attack. We saw that she said that you know I made my own decision that night. Everything, but they're kind of painting her as this like fragile little tiny flower that has broken under the weight of what's happening and now she basically needs jay to be the the knight in shining armor this has always been my problem not that again this is not necessarily my problem with Haley, but i guess my problem with the way that Haley is written Mm -hmm. is that i just really i feel like she is such a like a character that has like two almost like it's like two different characters in one body yeah like because sometimes I just don't know where she stands. Like, obviously, there was the whole Darius Walker situation. And, you know, when she got that guy killed, she got him, you know, all that stuff when she got killed. And that whole situation. And that then I felt like led to a different characterization than I thought she was at. And then now I'm like, okay, you know, I think I kind of understand Haley and where she's at. But then, like you said, her words don't match with her actions. And I'm like, I just don't know where I'm supposed to. I mean, obviously, I know where I stand on what I think. Haley's true character is Mm -hmm. but like I feel like everything is such a contradiction and I just I don't get any of it I think when she came into the universe I think they very they they made they made the job side of her and then like the personal side of her two distinct things I think as we've gotten to go as we've gotten to know her they've kind of blurred the lines a little bit and brought those two together which is great you know of course you want your characters to be relatable and everything it's just I think there's a balance between showing or there's a balance especially with female characters between them being vulnerable and then them being like damsel in distress um yeah it's a balance and I think and sometimes it leans a little too much into the latter with Haley lately um so I don't know I I I would love nothing more than to see Haley take the reins and take way down I would love that um She's but never going to, though. She's not going to. No. And I, I wish she would, though. I, I wish that, you know, 
I think that would be the most satisfying. Mm -hmm. I think it needs to either be Jay or Haley, right? Like, I think those are the only ways it's going to be truly feel satisfying. Mm -hmm. I think Haley would feel the most satisfying, which is ironic because I think up until this point, it's really always been like, it's got to be Jay. Jay's going to be the one that takes Boyd down. Mm -hmm. I still think Jay is the right choice to lead intelligence. I don't think Haley is, but I think Haley would be interesting, you know, is the most, is the right person to take Boyd down, but I just don't think she ever is. No, and that's that's where it circles back into the fact that her allegiance to him is just it's 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 alarming and it's 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 toxic. It's bad. Well, and you know what's so funny too? We're having this whole conversation, right? Like we've been talking for the last like 10, 15 minutes, whatever, however long we've been talking about all these different scenarios. Mm-hmm. But this show is such a procedural that we're only we're probably not gonna get even a tenth of this. I know. Like what all the stuff that like all the different avenues they should explore and like really, you know, try to feel out after, you know all the different situations of like what could happen to boy and Haley and Jay and you know, the whole thing. But like the case is still going to be 95% of the show or, you know, of the episodes. And like, it's going to suck because the story that we want, and I think is a great, I think this is some of the best storytelling person. Well, personally wise, like, I think this is some of the most invested stuff personal wise that I've been in, in a long time. Mm-hmm. Like I'm really enjoying the seeing all this play out. But like, it's still, I want more of it and less case. And because it's a procedural, we still have to have the case. And I'm like, I just don't care anymore about the case. Like, I don't want it. Yeah. I don't want it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think that's just PD's MO at this point. But like, and it's like, you know, Noah and I were having this conversation Oh, maybe a week ago or so, because he's been like watching SVU too a lot, like on just in reruns and on Hulu and stuff. And he says that the reason he doesn't like, I mean, he likes SVU and he liked PD when he was watching it, but the reason he likes those far less than like say he liked Fire is because Fire had the really good balance of like there's bare, I mean, there's obviously calls, mm-hmm. but has a lot more personal and a lot more, you know, care, tele, like the reason we watch television, but like PD and SVU to an extent too are just like, case 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 and it's like that's not why we watch yeah and that was the reason why i watched i mean i wouldn't be we wouldn't be this passionate about the show i don't think right right so yeah no, anyway rant over but <laughs> do you feel because there's there's been a lot of chatter online which i i feel like we forget about really easily is that i mean the one who the one who took the brunt of this the one who felt this the worst is kim she got shot twice she almost died um, yep. do you feel like the show is almost starting to revert to that, like seasons one through four focus where it was pretty much just like the Voight and Aaron show? Do you feel like it's yes. becoming the Upstead show? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And like, again, I think that's just kind of become there as much as we can sit here and complain about it, that's just kind of become the way the show works. And I think Mm -hmm. if you're going to like, you can sit, I could sit here and complain about it every single week. Right. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it is worth bringing up again, every couple of weeks being like, you know, by the way, we haven't had an Adam, you know, an Adam episode in a while, or like we haven't had the Atwater follow-up either, you know, like Mm -hmm. where is that coming in? Um, But if we sat here and just complained about it every week, like, we would just be hearing the same thing over and over again every week. Um, But yeah, it does. And again, I really like this storyline, but not at the expense of other characters. And that's why I think the case being 95% of the episode, that's why it boxes down because it doesn't allow us time to also focus on other characters or like when Kim or Adam or 
Atwater are the focus of the episodes, it doesn't allow us to still continue with the Roy, you know, the Upstead stuff of this. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I do think it's a problem, but you know, if I sat here and said that every week, I would just sound like a broken record. So, I mean, but also if they had wrapped up this Roy Walton thing in like an episode or two, we'd probably be complaining about that too. It's just, I'm, I'm like, I'm excited to see what's going to happen, but also let's put it to bed soon. Yeah, for sure. But here's the thing I'll say about this too, is that like, we did the same thing when they did this with Atwater, right? Mm -hmm. Like when they did, you know, it was the beginning of last season, obviously at the end of season seven leading into season eight. Mm-hmm. And we barely got any of that. Right? Like we got two episodes of that and we we're like, oh, they're going to come back to that. They're going to come back to that. And then they didn't. And it was like, you did that with your one lone black actor, but you're not doing it with your main white actors. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying. Yep. Yep. So. I yeah anyway I I yeah I mean I always find if you're listening if you're listening right now you're just like why are they ripping PD to shred so much I mean I usually find that I I know I really love something when I can like take both points of view on it yeah for sure like I said I think it's when you love something like you're passionate about the things you love the most right like exactly. and it's not like we we've ripped other shows you know fire and med to shreds before too I mean mm-hmm. The reason we keep saying Med is so good this season is because in seasons past, we when they haven't been as good, we've ripped them to shreds too. And same with Fire, right? Yeah. Like, so, and I just, you know, I think it's when you're passionate about something. And it's because we care about, you know, our five characters, Void aside, because I don't care about Void. Um, but, you know, it's because we care about those characters so much and the actors who play them that we just, you know. That's why we care. That's why we're saying all this. Yeah. So. Yeah. hundred percent. hundred percent. So yeah. um, we did get some listener thoughts on this one. Of course, um, Megan said, I'm glad they finally acknowledged Kim as the victim in this. However, I wish that we would have gotten updated on how Kim is doing regarding the Roy case. We've only gotten two episodes of it while Upstead's been front and center every week. Nothing against Upstead, but I wish the writers would do better about balancing their characters and their feelings each episode. My thoughts exactly. Yeah. Like I love Upstead. Yeah. Love them. But don't forget about Kim. And at, like we literally after the whole Atwater love interest thing, we literally haven't talked about it since. And exactly. that was like a couple episodes ago. So, yep. Yeah. Um, Damar said, it's amazing that after nine years, Chicago PD can still service cliffhangers like that. I've been waiting for this moment for nine years, but do we really believe that Voight is finally going down? I can't wait to see. But one thing I know, Voight isn't going down without a fight. I also can't wait to see the reactions of Kevin, Kim, and Adam finding out that Roy is dead and worse. Jay, Haley, Jay and Haley didn't tell them. Will the team be broken after this? I don't think they'll be broken. I, I think, I don't think. They already are broken. Well, That's my hot take. They already are broken. Yeah, they're broken in that there's fractures, right? I don't think they could ever break, break. I think there's just, there's, there's fault lines for sure. I think they could temporarily break. I don't know. But I don't know if they will, but I think, I think, I think to say they could never break is I, I don't think that at all. I think Mm -hmm. they could, but I don't know, you know, I think they'll eventually find a way to get back together, but, Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. Yeah. Um, so um allison s said i think there is a difference between internal strife among the members of intelligence and someone from the outside trying to take one or more of their own down they are all going to circle the wagon to protect their family i think jay is going to call the fbi guys bluff and he's not going to take option two 
Jay is a decent guy, but I don't think he will actively help take down someone in intelligence. Many have tried to take down Voight in the past and have failed. I don't think the FBI is going to be successful either. Um, she went on to say that, you know, Haley's been one of never been one of her favorite characters and I have tolerated her in the past, but I've been critical of her throughout the storyline. But tonight, holy shit, I've gained serious respect for her, her composure, her response, her swagger were perfection. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she also said, you know, there's been some discussion on our Facebook group about whether Jay knows everything about the witnesses or witness he ended up killing. I wasn't sure, but after this episode, I really do think he knows everything. And that was part of why he was so pissed last week and sniping at Haley and Voight. He was processing all the information he got from Hank and more from Haley, more from Haley, and then was either told or figured out that he killed the last person with direct knowledge about Roy. Well, I, I thought, I thought he knew from the get-go it was a sniper shot. He knew, he knew he got Irwin. Right, but knowing, I think more what she means is that, like, obviously he didn't know the whole thing about Haley and the connect. Like, obviously he know he got Irwin, but like knowing what he Irwin had said, you know, like about the fact that the, there was a witness to that conversation and yada yada yada. Like, you know, the real details behind it. Obviously, he knew he killed Irwin, but like, yeah, knowing what Irwin knowed, you know, all that stuff is mm-hmm. I think what more what she means. Yeah. But, Danielle yeah. said, can we just talk about how badass Haley Upton is with that I'm in the middle of investigating a murder and you're wasting my goddamn time? You go, girl. Yeah. But actually, though. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Sandra said, CPD, the case, this was as twisted as it comes. I had to watch episode twice to get all the details and I still don't think I got them all. I was not following that the sister killed her father till Upton figured it out. Same. And how the hell did she see through them? I mean, I still don't even know. I just know that I just know that the daughter killed the dad. I don't know anything else. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then she said, you know, there's something going on with Agent North. I think it's more than just he wants to climb the ladder. But what? Yeah. I mean, I think there's clearly the fact that, like, he chose this case. You know, he wasn't assigned this case. I think mm-hmm. there's something behind that. But what? I don't know. Yeah. Um, she said, upset. I like that their relationship is still strong for now. I don't know if that will change when Jay finds out he was the one who shot Mark Irwin. I believe that he doesn't know that detail and the fact that Haley hasn't told him and that Hank used him will make Jay come undone. I hope the writers explore that. Um, and then she said, and Jay doesn't trust Hank as far as he can throw him, but I don't see him throwing them under the bus either. Yeah. Um, and then she lastly said, it was great to see how Trudy out in the field. I'm here for that all day. That yes. was great. Yeah, I love that we've seen a lot more Trudy this season. For sure. For sure. Yeah, God, I, I'd pay good money just to have Trudy in intelligence. I would love that. For real, though. For yeah. real. Just move her desk upstairs. Yes. Oh, my God. Get a new desk surgeon. I would pay really good money for that. That would be awesome. Yeah. So. Yeah. Any other notes on PD? No, just I'm cur- I'm really curious to see where this all goes. I'm and so I'm really scared. curious to see what happens in yeah. the midseason. I'm scared as hell for the midseasons, okay? I'm scared as hell for all three shows. Yeah, clearly we know where Gina stands on it. Well, I'm really I'm really worried that the PD hand- PD's cliffhanger is going to be somebody in handcuffs but not Jet or not not Boyd. God, wouldn't that be intense? That would suck. Are you kidding me? That's going to be that's going to be like that finale when Adam got arrested, right? And we were crying about the fact that Adam, had, like, when he got, you know, the hand on the door as he walks out, and we were just like... And then we recorded 30 we had, minutes that will never be seen by the light of day? No, I have it on a jump drive, and I found oh, it you, one day. Yeah, it's somewhere. I, it still exists, but yeah, it's never coming out. 
I'm afraid. Okay. I think I'm afraid that the med finale is going to be like something with Will and Peril. Cause that's the only cliffhanger I could see them dropping off on. Um, yeah. It's gotta be something with Will and Cooper. It's yeah. gotta be something in that. If they're doing a cliffhanger, they can also not do a cliffhanger, but and that is, I think, the one most likely to not do a cliffhanger. I could also see that happening. Mm-hmm. But if they do a cliffhanger, it's definitely Will and Cooper related. Will's going to sure. get himself in trouble. He just is. As is the William Hall stickway. Yes. Fire, they could just leave everybody in a call. That's the easy out for a cliffhanger there. No, I think the call, I think, I don't think they go that big. Mm-hmm. for the cliffhanger i think the cliffhanger has something to do with like maybe stella walks in at the very end mm-hmm. of the episode and is like hey i'm back and like i don't think it's necessarily going to be like that big of a cliffhanger but i do think it has something to do with stella coming back uh, and then pd i'm, I'm pd i'm really scared that jay or Haley's going to end up in cuffs i think if anyone it's going to be more likely Haley. Because North seems very onto her right like mm-hmm. i think he's obviously clearly figured out that jay the only reason Jay's involved is because of Haley. Mm-hmm. But like when North said, I can basically know where everyone is that night, except for you. Like he is a timeline for everyone's moves that night, except for Haley. I think it's Haley. He's after Haley. Ah. Um, yeah. So that's, that's about all we've got. So uh. <laughs> um, as always, you guys know where to find us. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr. Meet us at Molly's right across the board. Email us anytime about anything. Meet us at Molly's at gmail.com. Um, follow us individually on Twitter. I'm at Gina Watches TV. Bryna? I am at Bryna K13. So here's what's up for the next three weeks while we're on hiatus, guys. Um, this coming week, we are going to do a live watch for our patrons. Um, if you are not a patron and would like to be, you can head to the link in our socials to our Patreon page. We've got a lot of cool different perks at different tiers. Um, can kind of just check what, what, look at the perks, see which one might be best for you. I think the best one is the Facebook group. Honestly, we've got a really solid group going, but uh, we're going to do a live watch. And I think we're going to watch a Christmas movie um we're gonna do that google yeah. watch party thing and just put it together and then and, and watch something together so i think we're gonna watch a christmas movie on netflix so if you would like to join us for that please head to the link in our socials and and see how you can become a patron for as little as two dollars a month pretty cool stuff yep. so that's next week so you won't hear from us on friday um we'll do the live watch and that's it the week after is thanksgiving so you won't hear from us that week either you will probably hear from us the next week which is i think the first weekend in december um, yeah it's friday the third what we'll be doing we, we don't, don't know, know yet, yet. Yeah. we talked about maybe doing fan fiction if we can pull it off we don't know yet but um yeah you'll definitely i would say hear from us then we just don't know what and then obviously the mid seasons are the week after that yeah so that's kind of the game plan um but yeah in the meantime you guys i mean enjoy go listen to red some more um <laughs> <laughs> yeah Go listen to Red, you know. In preparation for Gina's Tuesday thread. Yeah, you've got got a day to prepare. So um, yeah, just we're around. So in the meantime, patrons, we will see you on Friday and everybody else, we will catch you online. Bye.